This week on Invasion, the podcast, a big company buys a slightly smaller company. One division comes to a close. Are we happy? More importantly, is the internet. And we play a game of two truths and a lie. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the attention. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion, the podcast where we try to take over the world one um, listener at a time. I don't know. I was going to say like one human at a time. I don't know. We're just like, like now that I sound like we're doing an actual abduction, that sounds really weird. But anyway, I'm Paul. <laughs> Somewhere out there, uh, not abducting people is Steve. Hello, everyone. If you're listening to this, you're now part of our own version of Westfield. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, Westview? That's Westfield. Westview. West, yeah, Westfield. Whatever. whatever. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, if, if, if you had to subconsciously pick a sitcom to project outward and live in, what would it be? Oh, even though I have no medical training, it would be scrubs. <laughs> but like you would, you would make everybody like treat you like you knew what was going on. And that would be even better where you're suspicious where you're like, I don't know how to do any of this. Like, good job, Dr. Steve. You know, I would make Dr. Cox my life coach. And then be like, Eagle, you know, yeah, <laughs> scrubs is a good call. I think I'd pick parks and rec. I think I'd pick Pawnee. Um, you know, that cause Pawnee has its problems, but it also seems like that'd just be a fun place to be with some of those people. But anyway, the, if you guys haven't figured this out yet, uh, we're going to be talking about the second half of WandaVision. I believe we inadvertently did a first half discussion a couple episodes ago, uh, cause that's what we're prone to do. Um, it did wrap up this week. So I'm going to toss one of these out here now. And then later, do you know why they are called spoilers? <laughs> Uh, just a heads up, because we're going to like it'd be kind of hard not to talk about some of the the beats in this without getting into it. So if you've not seen all of WandaVision, I, I don't know what you need to stop and just watch it because it's worthy of watching. Uh, also, uh, real quick, you may have thought that we took the week off and we kind of did, but didn't. Uh, after our wonderful RoboCop 2 discussion that I hope you guys enjoyed, uh, we were guests on At the Devil's Ball uh, with uh, Samuel and uh, Nathaniel, who uh, hopefully you guys recall from our uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit conversation that we had to round out the year of animation. Um, they, they paid a blood debt to have me on previously on their show to talk about the Stephen King film Sleepwalkers. And I, I kept insisting that we talk about maximum overdrive. So to fulfill the blood debt, Steve and I went on there and talked about maximum overdrive and it was a lot of fun. Oh yeah. It was a lot of fun. Actually, it, it got me to, uh, buy the, uh, Vestron video release of, uh, the Blu-ray, not the, uh, Vestron video VHS from 1986, but the actual Blu-ray that came out a few years ago. Uh, it's a gorgeous Blu-ray chock full of wonderful, um, extras and then the movie itself is uh, i had more fun watching it than i thought i was going to be like i really was sort of dreading it because it was like not dreading it but i was like oh man what you know the hell did i don't Paul have... drag me into again is this something yeah, well, about it... voodoo and be mad about later like you know 
I, I didn't have hard memory. Like, I had, okay, so I did have some hard memories of it. You, you, you can't watch that movie and not think of, and I even brought it up, you know, man getting hit in the crotch with soda cans or, you know, the Green Goblin mask on the truck or, you know, some of the, the really goofy things that happen with, you know, like a uh, sprinkler that somehow seems to turn on and turn off when you're not looking. Um, those or, types or of a drive through menu uh, to a restaurant that suddenly talks by itself. I don't know why I kept that, but I still think or it's great. <laughs> watermelon chaos just happening on a bridge. Yeah, it's like, oh, the day the machines uh, turn against us. It's watermelon day. You know, like, yeah, it's um, the movie's batshit crazy. Uh, but, but I it's but I had fun with it. Yeah, and I'm glad that you enjoyed it watching it by yourself. I I believe, and I didn't get into this during the recording uh, with those guys just because we talked about a lot of things. And I have my theories about how I believe this is an early Transformers movie that no one else seems to buy into but me. Uh, but um, when people talk about like they like, you know, they like bad movies or they like, you know, or or they're I think I think Maximum Overdrive is a gateway drug to a whole lot crazier world because you can kind of just plop this down like sight unseen and be like, we're just going to watch this. And I've done this to a couple different people that don't normally watch those kind of movies and they had a blast with it. So I think this is a wonderful film to introduce when people want to watch a goofy film that you don't overthink makes just enough sense. Kinda. And it doesn't do anything that pushes like so many buttons to where like you're getting into like weird exploitive like genre fair that people may not be comfortable with. I agree. And uh, I meant to mention this on the uh, show, but uh, this this uh, escaped me during the recording. Um, I just also wanted to mention that I, I thought it was quite poetic that uh, at the end of the film, when they're racing away, trying to escape the uh, the impending doom of the uh automaton slash um technology turning on everyone uh one of the members of the party stops to seal someone's ring and uh gets killed for it it's just like yeah this is just kind of like yeah people are still assholes even when there's an apocalypse happening and uh we know that more so now than ever so <laughs> Yeah, um, it's surprising. I guess it's not surprising, right? That uh, uh, even even in the middle of like everything going haywire, someone's like, you know what? Let me steal shit. Like it's like yeah. it's like it's like, it's like, it's like it would be one thing to take supplies, to, like because you know it's it's fair game at that point. If like someone crashed their car and it was like full of Twinkies, you're going to get some Twinkies for the road. I understand that, but like when when it's a ring that has no value outside of like modern society. You leave that and you get on that stupid boat with a uh, yearly Smith that is throwing up immediately as soon as they leave the dock. <laughs> Although perhaps maybe death was the preferable choice for him. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> you guys can check that out. I think we, I, we did post on our Facebook page. It's at the devil's ball. Uh, thanks those guys again for having us on there. It was a fun conversation. Uh, and I look forward to more conversations with them and also, just getting weird. I think it's sometimes it's a lot of fun just to get weird. So that's what we did in our quote unquote week off. Um, so think of that as uh, another episode of the show because it was just us just being goofy and it was a lot of fun. But uh, with that though, uh, we did take some time away from this show. So we normally talk about our weekends. Uh, you know, that does sometimes, you know, get a little long, but I am sure you and I both watched some things in the meantime. So what did you, what did you get into? I got into a couple of things. Um, 
The two main things that I'll mention are, uh, first up is Ted Lasso. Uh, I've been meaning to watch it, the Apple Plus, Apple TV. I'm not sure what the right uh, um, descriptor is there. I think it's Apple TV, but I also think it's Apple Plus. I don't know. Uh, I think everything, Disney has just not made everything plus. Did you get Hulu Plus? No, what's that? It's just Hulu. <laughs> Um, yeah. but, uh, <laughs> did you get hepatitis plus what's it's just better, you know, <laughs> but, uh, it's a, uh, a series, uh, from Jason Sudeikis and Bill Lawrence, co-creator of scrubs or the creator of scrubs, I should say. Um, so I was on board. It, it took me a while to watch this and I don't know why I don't have a good reason, but, um, Jason Sudeikis recently won. I wanted to say the Grammy, but it's not the Grammy golden globe. He won the Golden Globe for Best Lead, I think, in a comedy series. So I finally sat down and watched it, and the show was a pure joy. Uh, he's really good in it. Like, I always enjoyed him on Saturday Night Live, but he's so good on the show. Um, and it's so not what I expected the character to be, just knowing other characters that I've seen Sudeikis play. Um, it's heartwarming. It's it's. I know nothing about soccer, so if you worry about that being a barrier, it shouldn't be, or as they call it there, football. Um, well, now that you identified show. it as football, I don't want to watch this. No, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a great show. Uh, it was really funny in places, really uh, heartwarming in others. Uh, I can't blow it up enough. I just really enjoyed the show, and it was also, you know, we're a year now into the current COVID mess that we've been in for the last year. That makes sense. But, uh, you know, I really needed something, you know, to sort of brighten my spirits. And, uh, it was a good, uh, a good experience watching that show. So nice. And, uh, go ahead. The other thing I was going to mention real quick was, uh, coming to America or, uh, coming to America Two. I guess is coming the better way of putting it to America. Yeah. Yeah. Um, enjoyed it uh for me i just thought it was okay but my wife loved it and i think i think uh she had the same reaction uh to it that i had with bill and ted face the music whereas her opinion of bill and ted face the music was my opinion of coming to america like i was like yeah i watched it i don't know if i'll ever revisit it um whereas i was kind of not over the moon about bill and ted face the music but uh, it gave me something that I really needed at the time that I watched it. And I still think about a lot of funny things that happened in that movie and, and, it, had, and, and it, enjoy it, it. ended up having more going for it than not, which is not always a guarantee for these, like these long delayed sequels. So, um, so you're saying that coming to America, it was, it was an okay watch for you, but your wife enjoyed it a great deal. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, Eddie Murphy's really good at it. Says so Arsenio Hall. It's great seeing them a bring back characters and then, there's a couple of new characters that pop up that they play and um, they really haven't missed a beat. I'll say comedically like playing some of those characters, like the barbershop uh, guys that are in the first movie, they pop up in this film and it's all them in different makeups and things like that. And uh, the, uh, it's spot on. It's, it's great. I mean, I don't mean to diss Arsenio Hall, but it's like, kind of forgot that like at one point he was huge like he was really big and really yeah. you know a, a, a comedic um force to be reckoned with and uh, this movie if nothing else will remind you of that um but it was a little too nostalgic for me in a lot of spots where it was just like going to the well a little too much for me but you know i love plenty of movies that do you know jay and silent bob reboot 
there's a lot of nostalgic in that, a lot of nostalgia in that movie, and I really enjoy it. So I can't really cast stones. So fair enough. Um, I've I've still not seen uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot because I'm kind of scared to. Like I, I I hate to admit that, but it's like I'm like. I, and this is a whole other conversation for a whole other episode. I know we've talked at length about Kevin Smith and his output about not that I hold some of this stuff up in such high regard. It's just that I know what his, what he's done before that has been successful that I've liked. And that it's like, I don't, do I need you coming back right now in this, in this era of filmmaking he's into? So I've not seen it yet. Cause I'm afraid that cause Jay and Silent Bob straight back is, is a breezy fun movie. And I don't know if I need to have meta on top of meta. Um, and you can, you can tell me, you know, whether or not that works. Um, so I've been hesitant. I think it's the best. And this is not such a compliment, but I think it's obviously the best since clerks too. Um, I, I, what you're saying is better than yoga hosers. <laughs> yes. It's, it's better than yoga hosers. It's, it's oh. better than tusk, which, Unfortunately, the only problem with Tusk for me is the second is half of Depp. that movie. Yes. The first half's actually really good. Yeah. Uh, like the first three quarters of Red State is really, really good. <sighs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I will say that, uh, you know, Ben Affleck in in his one scene that he has in Jay and Silent Bob reboot kind of made me a believer again. Not, not that I ever wasn't a believer, but like it, it got me back on the side of like, okay, you made a movie that I enjoyed again. Like, uh, there are certainly things that I could pick apart with that film. And, you know, maybe we should, I know we've talked about talking about clerks too, in our year of the sequel, maybe instead we should talk about Jane silent Bob reboot. I don't know, but I, yeah, I maybe I just, uh, I haven't seen clerks too since the theater. So I think that might be why I'm circling it a little bit. Cause it's been what 20 years, almost 20 years. When did clerks two come out? It's been a while. 2003 or 2004. So okay, yeah, so, we're probably at least at the 15 mark. Yeah. And I remember like feeling mixed about like, I liked it. I just, um, yeah, I think that might be the one. Cause that was like the big, like return home right after him. Like, anyway, that's a whole nother conversation. Sorry. We're, I know we're getting sidetracked. So yes. So you saw coming to America and you, uh, you liked it, but you recommend Ted Lasso a great deal. Um, if, well, these days when I get uh, Apple plus, 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 you know, whatever, it seems like there's a few things there for me to check out. Like I wanted to see that. I also want to watch, uh, what was it? Mythic quest Raven Raven's banquet or whatever the hell that is. It's the one with, um, Oh I, I, yeah. I love that show. That was also quest, one of Raven's my favorites banquet. of last year. Yeah. Like I, there's some good comedy there that I, I know I would really, really dig. Yeah. Um, uh, mythic, uh, quest. If, uh, you do get it, then we're definitely doing an episode on it. So, <laughs> Um, fair enough. I, I, I go ahead. No, it's fair enough. Sorry. I was agree. It's like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> no, as somebody who's not, you know, video game literate, at least not from game, not from the scene in the last like 15, 20 years. And for me, mythic quest was highly enjoyable. I imagine it'll be more enjoyable for you, uh, having the knowledge that you do. Fair enough. Um, so, okay. Uh, so uh, yeah, I guess let me get into some of the stuff I got into, uh, uh, some of the different things I watched. Um, <laughs> I could never like, I have this list. Like I, you, you and I have these lists. Everybody has these lists of like, I'll get to that. And it's like, these are like big movies that we should get to. And then for whatever reason, you click on a streaming service and you watch something completely different. Like that's what happens to me sometimes. And I think I talked to you a little bit about this last week, uh, but I ended up watching um, in the, in the meantime, between our recordings here, I ended up watching a film that's available on Hulu called rent a pal, 
that is a weird eighties esque. It's, it's set in the eighties. Um, it's about a guy who, um, he is in his forties and he's living at home with his mother cause she uh, has dementia and he's kind of a full-time, uh, um, caretaker for her. And he's a lonely guy using video dating services. And you can just tell these he's just getting soaked for money and nothing's turning out. So he finds this videotape called rent a pal. That is an hour long plus of a guy on a TV, just like, like saying, Oh, what's your name? Well, that's interesting. And it's based upon a videotape that was released in Chicago in the eighties called rent a friend, which if you guys want to go look that up, it's, it's weird and really entertaining. Um, but Will Wheaton plays the pal and rent a pal and just seeing him exist. Like I follow Will Wheaton on social media. Like, you know, some of his jokes just aren't funny. Like not, they're not mean spirited, but it's like there's dad jokes. And then there's like, you know, stepdad jokes. He's like stepdad joke level sometimes where it's like, ah, that's not even that great. You know, I know you want your, I know you want attention will, but just, buy, you know, just buy his ice cream. We'll be, we'll be good. You don't have to try to be real dad. Will Wheaton. But anyway, um, like you get it's will wheaton so when you see him it's like you automatically get in this like i like this guy i can trust him and he is he gets real sinister so i think the movie's worth watching his performance in it and like i said it's on hulu it's like uh an hour and 40 minutes it, it gets dark uh and it, you know it's just i wish it would have went further but it's i think it's i think it's a pretty fun watch if you want something a little different that is kind of like these, like there's this thing now where everything has to be an 80s throwback. And I think this is what does a pretty good job. So that's a recommendation. Um, second thing I watched was it's on shutter. I watched it on somebody's account that, um, I do a podcast with who's Steve. Uh, I ended up watching, um, uh, the dark and the wicked, which was a recommendation from a friend of the show, Richard. Um, that is a, um, dour, dour film that if you just want to feel bad about life, watch it. It's good. It's effective. Just you might want to hug after. I don't know if I needed that at that point in time, but I watched it. I mean, I needed a hug after, but you just don't know when you're going to go into a movie that just kind of scrapes your soul bare. And that's one of them. Steve, how do you feel about movies that scrape your soul bare? Do you like watching them just on a lark? So right now, no, that's actually <laughs> one of the reasons that I brought up Ted Lasso was it was such a joy to watch something just so sweet and wholesome, wholesome may not be the best word, but like something that has uh, the best of, you know, what a person can be at heart in its story and uh, a story of, you know, uh, overcoming boundaries and things like that. So uh, I'm very much not in a place right now where I'm looking for that type of movie. Um, I mean, it also had the same theme of, of like these uh, brothers, sister coming home to this there. They had like this uh, house in Texas where, um, their father is like in the last stages of like a long disease. So it's like, I end up watching these back to back movies where it's like complicated family situations that just get dark. And it's just like, Oh God, what, is, why? <laughs> well, it, it's like, I'll, I'll give you an example. So for me, I think the best movie ending to a movie ever. And I didn't even read the short story, but for me in the mist, yeah. I don't know that a movie ending is ever going to be topped by that. I don't know that I'm in a place right now where I'm like, you know what I can pop on right now? The, the mist. mist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that well, that's is unfair. Whew. I did revisit it for our discussion 
because uh, I was looking at adaptations of King material beforehand. So, yeah, yeah, but no, that's, that's that is that is a sledgehammer of a film, you know, and yeah, yeah that's yeah, that, I you know, I, yeah, I'd put that in there, but it's just like yeah, the Dark of the Wicked, really well done. I'm excited for what the 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 filmmaker does next. Um, I guess it's, I'd also put it in the same category, like well, I mean. It, similar ground like i think i talked to to you and to other people like other people the listeners of the show about that uh film saint mod i watched a couple weeks ago it's in the same mold of like wow there's a lot going on here there's a lot i appreciate it's like and you come out the other end it's like i'm glad i watched that i don't know how i feel about it which that's not a bad thing it's just it's okay for movies to challenge you you know but it's like yeah um yeah that anyway so last thing i'll mention here that it's it's the opposite of all this, I ended up watching, uh, it's also on Hulu. It's exclusive there right now. It is a boss level that has uh, Frank Grillo, AKA crossbones from the cat, from the captain American movies. He is a guy who's, st- it's like one of those like groundhog day loop movies, but he's stuck in this day where, um, like the whole world's out to kill him. And by the whole world, I mean like this group of assassins that are almost like, it's like Tarantino light. Like when they all show up, like their own quirks and personalities and he has to figure out why. But it's just, it's interesting because there's a certain point where he's like, yeah, I've, I've gotten this far in my day a couple of different times. He's like, and I know if I just sit here and drink, I'm going to get hammered and it's not going to hurt when they kill me. So it's like, you get this notion of like, he's just gotten to a certain point in his day, like a number of times and has gotten almost blackout drunk waiting for the assassins to show up. That's your kind of hero in this movie. Uh, and it's, it's actually, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, there, uh, let's see here. Uh, I, was watching it and and I recognized Ron Gronkowski, the tight end from the Patriots that's on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now. Before I recognized Naomi Watts and I didn't realize that she was in it. Like I reckon, I she's one of the actors in the movie. That's a pretty big deal. I didn't realize it was her till the credits, but I picked out Gronk. I don't know what that says about me. I, I I'm, I'm trying <laughs> to like I. I no, I, I'm sitting here thinking, and I'm like, I don't know who that is, and I don't know what to say. What, Naomi and, Watts? What, yes, uh, <laughs> Naomi Watts. I have no clue who that is. No, uh, uh, Gorkowski. I Great. Um, now, you were you were talking about this movie in uh, a text discussion with uh, myself and former um, host of the show, Joe, and uh, you both seemed to enjoy it quite a bit. Um, I was under the impression though that it was a Mel Gibson joint. Is it not? Because yeah, you mentioned he's in it. no Mel Gibson's in it, so I, I should mention that is he's it, one. He's one of the is bad he not guys. The star? He's not the star. Frank Grillo's the star. Uh, Mel Gibson's like one of the bad guys. Like he's literally a, a cigar chomping bad guy in this that monologues a little bit. Um, as problematic as Mel Gibson the person is, uh, he I don't know what it is. He's in that like older man stage thing now where it's like, he looks really good with the beard and it's like, he's still like a presence on screen really underutilized in this movie. And that's a bummer because you get Mel Gibson, you, 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 I mean, for, for all intents and purposes, you better use Mel Gibson. Uh, Will Sasso's in this as well. He's a henchman, which, you know, that's a turn for him. He has a couple funny lines, uh, being a henchman for, uh, um, for Gibson's character. Uh, and then also, um, Michelle Yeoh's in it. Uh, uh, Ken, um, oh shit. Uh, Ken, um, uh, you know, uh, Chang from, uh, uh, community Ken, um, what's his last name? Um, you know, Dr. Ken. 
Oh, Kim Jong. Yeah, Kim Jong's in it. Uh, he's. He, it's like there's like there's a plethora of like known people in this movie. You're like, holy shit. Um, so yeah, it's just. Yeah, it's just again, Mel Gibson's in it, and I wish he would have been more involved in a villain role than he was. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, and Frank Grillo needs more starring roles because guy, the guy's got charisma and he has grit, and his action sequences are always amazing. Yeah, I, I quite like uh, Frank Grillo, and actually, I bought a th- uh, you know uh, I was going to say a three pack, but it's not technically a three pack since it was digital, but like. Uh, whenever the uh, the last um, Purge movie came out, they offered the first three in a bundle for like $10 on uh, Voodoo. And I was like, oh, I'm going to you know, visit the series because I haven't. And yeah. I know that people rave about him in the second one. So um, He's basically I, the I, Punisher. I, like he, It's like a Punisher origin story in the second movie with him. And it's like, I'm not saying John Barenthal wasn't a good Punisher in the Netflix stuff. Uh, I kind of want Frank Grillo as the Punisher. Like, I kind of well, really. Well, that's the thing. I I only really think of him as Crossbones. I'm not too familiar with that many other things that he's done, so I can't speak to really um, other things that he's done. Unfortunately. Okay. Well, the boss levels it's fun, and if you have Hulu, it's free. So, um, yeah, there's some. It's, I was going to mention it was directed by Joe uh, Carnahan, who uh, directed that he made the Gray, uh, the Liam Neeson movie from like a few years ago, where. Um, that's another one. It's just a sledgehammer of a film, but Grillo's in that as well. Uh, Carnahan's actually done some interesting things. Uh, he was actually on board with Fox to make a daredevil film right before they, uh, got before Disney and Marvel got the rights back. He pitched a sizzle reel of making a seventies daredevil film, something like hell's kitchen in like the seventies. And that would have been amazing. But Carnahan's a pretty good director, and this is a fun movie. Yeah, I actually think that uh, the Punisher would be better suited to have a film like that made. Uh, I think setting a movie in the time period where he was created, I think, might benefit that character the most. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure there are a lot of Punisher fans who might argue with me on that. But I, I think if you were to put him in sort of a taxi driver in New York um, it would be a, yeah. a different story and a better movie I agree. Um, yeah, than so, the Punisher yeah. films we've got. But uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I will check it out. I, I will add it to the list. Yeah. So uh, that, and then also this is going to tie into our conversation later. So I'm not going to drag this out right now. Um, my wife and I finally got around to finishing the good place, which I know Steve was flabbergasted that I had not gotten to finishing that series until now. Um, the reason we hadn't is because, I didn't want the series to end and I enjoyed it so much that just knowing that we had some left kind of made me feel better about things, which still kind of also fits into the the greater story of the good place. Like, you know, I've always had something to look forward to. Um, I will say it's a little, um, it's a little serendipitous. We finished that series and then like the next day I watched the last episode of WandaVision. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk more about that later. Wow. So, uh, well, I'll save it for our discussion. We'll, yeah. we'll move on. Do, do you mean like, I think you see where I'm going with some of this. So, all right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just get into, uh, let's just get into some news here. Good news, everyone. 
All right. So I uh, I don't know if it's good news. It's interesting news. Uh, so uh, today it was officially uh, confirmed. This is something that's been in work in the works for a few months. Microsoft uh, uh, they acquired the the company Zenimax, the studio that uh, Zenimax actually is a is Zenimax Media, which they bought for seven point five billion. Um, they means oh. Microsoft, right? Microsoft. Um, this is this is a video game story. So Steve's going to be like, "What are video games?" We're going to talk more about it. But Steve's the one that showed me the story here. So um, studios like Bethesda, Arcane, ID Software, Machine Games, Tango Gameworks are now all part of the Xbox family. Uh, ID Software are the people behind Doom. Uh, Bethesda are the people behind the Fallout series. Now, um, the Elder Scrolls, like you'll see Skyrim, uh, they've done other games too. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's some big, um, like big games that have been put out by these studios that Zenimax owned. And then Microsoft now owns them. Um, why the, it's almost like, um, I, how do I, how do I quantify this properly? It's like, it would be like Marvel. Uh, well, it'd almost be like Disney buying Marvel or Disney buying Star Wars. It's like the, there's their successful studios doing output, and now they're under a bigger umbrella. Then that becomes a question of, especially for video games. So here's where it gets more complicated. Um, like, since this is Microsoft, who is the producer of the Xbox, um, what's the say about exclusivity of these titles? Because uh, with uh, with Fallout and um, like the Elder Scrolls and other things, these were big AAA titles that were multi-platform. Now that may not be the case. And supposedly Bethesda has put out statements saying some of our games will be exclusives and some won't. They're they're not directly commenting on what is and what won't, but this could chop the legs out under, um, like, I don't, Sony also has done the thing too where they bought different studios. Um, so I guess maybe that's the arms race now. But this could this could um, cause an exclusivity uh, war, which you know that's why they probably bought them. The thing about exclusivity, and we talked about this years ago when the time, I'm sorry, not Time Warner, the uh, Disney uh, 20th Century Fox um, merger was happening. Like th- there was a part of me that was like, oh yay, you know, Disney will get Marvel properties back. But there was also part of me that was like that's going to cut a lot of like people out of jobs and places in the marketplace. Like it's, it's assuring certainly a domination for uh, Disney at the time. And clearly it has, but I always, and again, I'm not game video game savvy when it comes to like what the marketplace is like now, but like it feels like sometimes competition breeds success. And if there's no longer any competition, it, I don't know. I don't know. Is this a good move? I, I, I mean, I'm sure for the company it is, but is it really good for the gaming industry? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I can say that I'm I'm a whore and I will buy most available systems. Um, the only reason I've not gotten a PS5 or an Xbox, um, but Series X is just because you can't find them without going to scalpers, and I'm not doing that. Otherwise, I would have them because that's the way I am. Um, but. I also understand that people don't buy multiple systems for households because that is like, that's money and they might have like, you know, kids and shit. I don't know. Like they, like they might have a, like, like an actual future they're looking forward to. And I'm like, can I have video games now? You know, 
that's me belittling people that have families and I shouldn't because they're making like my legacy will go forward. I'm like, yeah, but can I have video games? You know, anyway. Um, so, so yeah, like there's, there's a war for exclusivity. Like, um, uh, whenever, uh, you know, I, I asked you to take a look at God of War, that's an exclusive title to Sony to the PlayStation series. Like they're, they're whatever their systems, uh, like halo, uh, which I know you've heard of, um, you know, they're, they're, I played uh, the first halo, there you I go. Played the first halo to death. Well, so, um, Bungie who developed halo, uh, um, they ended up having, they ended up getting like an exclusivity deal with uh, Microsoft for quite a while. And then they eventually were like, nah, we're out. And so what happened was, they worked out a deal with Microsoft where Microsoft's like, fine, we own master chief and halo. You can go be your own studio. So Bungie wanted to actually explore the thing. So they ended up making the game destiny, which is still out and it's multi-platform and they've done other things. So this has happened before where uh, some studios be like, Nope, we got you. And then whatever. But the, the big deal with this though, like it's one thing to get like a, a, a small studio up and coming where it's like, okay, now you're under our umbrella. Like Zenimax is a big deal. It would be like, um, you know, like Marvel, like maybe just being like, you know, Hey, Hey, dark horse, we now own you now too. Like, I mean, I know dark horse may not be, or even, even if like, you know, the Marvel moved in was like, Hey, image is a publishing house. We now own you. I know you guys gave controller, like, controlled all the like the creators but we now own the publishing ability like i don't know like it's it's a big deal maybe i'm not quantifying it correctly uh it's just it takes another big piece off the board um that i don't know if ultimately it serves the audience like you're saying like as a consumer but i guess the market will tell um i just know that like uh people now might be hesitant to jump onto the next generation of one console or another if they can't be guaranteed an Elder Scrolls game because that's like anytime there's a sequel, people are excited for that. If there's more um, Fallout, people are excited for that. But if they have to line up with one system, that might be a bridge too far. Or they might be like me and just buy everything because we're idiots. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I, I You know, I, I don't know. Is there a leading count? I mean, PlayStation 5 aside is there a leading council outside of that? Like is, is Nintendo no longer, I know they're no longer the top, but like, who's, who's, who's winning this war well, okay. right now? So like, like when I, so when I mentioned the Xbox series X, that's the new Xbox. Like they, like the way they always name everything, every generation is kind of weird, but like that's, that's their next gen console. It is um, neck and neck with PS five. I could get the technical specs, but I don't understand that stuff, but I know that pros and cons, but those are both of the new ones. Right. So, and then ultimately there's the PC market too. Can you hear my dogs going ape shit in the background? Well, cause they, can. cause they want, they want, um, they want a PS five and Xbox. I get it. You know? Yeah. They're very excited for that. And, uh, since we don't have their, since they are our kids, I guess maybe I'll have to invest in those things for them. <laughs> It's like, I got you this Kong toy. It's like, yeah, but does it have exclusivity? No, anyway. So, uh, yeah, but Nintendo's still there with the Switch. Um, <laughs> would Would you like us to pause for a second, Steve, so you could go uh, see what's going on with your dogs? Uh, I can tell you what's going on with them. Um, <laughs> I'm not the one who let them outside, and they're currently outside my window right now, barking. <laughs> 
hey. I can tell you exactly what's happening. Okay, fair enough, right? They have opinions. They need to be heard. So, so yeah, I mean, and Nintendo still has the Switch, which, you know, they're always a couple years behind in terms of, like, the in terms of technology. Like, they do cool things, but not as cool. Like, they're not processing power as heavy as the new stuff. PC is still, that's the juggernaut because PCs get better and better every six months, right? So... The, but there's also uh, outlets for PC gaming, like there's a service called Steam, um, and then also I know there's a couple other ones out there, like Epic Games has one as well, um, where people can get these games. Like I know the Bethesda stuff was available via Steam, I believe so, and some of these other titles. So this might limit availability on PC as well, and that I like so you you might be really pissing off some people because some people might just have a high end PC and they don't own a console because why would they need to, if they have everything they have there? So I guess I didn't realize that PC gaming was so big. Like, I mean, my version of PC gaming was like using, you know, the four, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Directional, like, you know, arrows to play a game and then a space bar, like, is that still what PC gaming is? Because no. I'm just picturing, like, you know, um, and apologies to gamers out there, but I'm picturing, you know, uh, the nerds from the college episode of The <laughs> Simpsons where uh, Homer goes back to college uh, and they help him uh, cheat on his uh, test. So that that's exactly get, how uh, they are. No, that's not true. So uh, do you remember a couple months ago, I'm sure you seen in the periphery about like the rollout for that game cyberpunk 2077 how there was huge issues with it i don't know if you saw any of the articles about that whatsoever. I, I actually asked you about it yeah i was like why does this happen explain it to me like i'm a four-year-old and okay. you did and then i still didn't understand so, so yes cd project red who was the developer uh, of that they're also the ones who do the witcher games they rolled out uh cyberpunk 2077 with the notion of it being running to like maximum effort on next systems like ps5 and xbox series x and pc um the problem is is that they also put up uh versions for the playstation 4 and the xbox one that they never really bothered doing their due diligence on and they're complete shit shows so but people like day one were like i'm having problems with this pc gamers are like i'm not this game's amazing you know because PCs can always get beefier because of the uh, cycle time on technology and components versus a console generation. Um, the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One are going on, what, like six years now with the same hardware? Mm-hmm. Like, think about buying, you know, you go out, like, go to Best Buy. There, there's new laptops and, and, and uh, you know, towers, like, every, you know, every other day or whatever, right? Like, I'm, I'm being facetious, but, like technology keeps getting better and faster with PC. So uh, game developers can keep caught up with that while they sometimes have to start working down with console generations, because once they hit peak efficiency with the technology, they can only go so far with it. If, if that makes sense. That, I mean, that makes sense. Uh, I really hadn't thought of it in those terms. I just, I just assumed that PC console or PC games had lost out to the council. Uh, I guess I was, I was clearly wrong on that. I mean, it's it, it's neck and neck in a lot of ways now because consoles are really getting beefier in terms of like what they can do with like graphics and things. And I am not nearly smart enough to talk about processing and all that stuff. But, um, but yeah, no matter what though, in terms of sheer uh, power, PCs always going to win because it can always be upgraded and it's always going to be out first. But in terms of availability of games. 
um, if Microsoft is like, nope, you can only go through here. They also do have their own, uh, their own version of like online abilities to get the things, but who knows what's going to happen with availability that I guess that's the problem. And, uh, and Sony, I don't think they really released their games outside of their own platform. So who knows? It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a constantly changing landscape and buying another company and trying to get exclusivity, you know, it'd be like, um, it would almost be like if Microsoft or if Sony bought, uh, um, um, rockstar games, they're the ones that make uh, grand theft auto and, um, like red dead redemption. If they'd buy that developer outright and be like, yep, you can only make grand theft auto for our system. People would lose their minds. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's weird. I know. But anyway, so that's, it's kind of a big deal. And that's, that's that story. So, and I, and your dogs had strong opinions. And now after we talked about everything, they, they seem to have calmed down. So that's good that they're like, okay, thank you for explaining that. I appreciate that. <laughs> um, they've quieted down. I mean, remember, remember, uh, way back in the day, whenever I had to explain things to constant fire trucks going by my old place. So I get it. <laughs> yes. But fire trucks usually like only lasted like 30 seconds. <laughs> My dogs barked for a good solid three minutes the, the, there. The, the fire trucks are like, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm like, "What?" And they, they just, they're gone already. I couldn't talk to them. All right, so yeah, this this episode is just plagued with issues tonight, folks. I'm sorry, <laughs> and they're all on my end. So, all right, next thing, Steve can talk to more to me about this as much as I talk about video games. Universal Studios Japan celebrating 20 years with the wild. Jaws themed hot dog creation. Steve, I know you and I both looked at the story, but please explain to people what this is. <laughs> so I didn't even know before this, I didn't even know there was a Universal Studios Japan, but uh, the uh, there's a Universal J- Studios Japan theme park uh, that has a uh, exclusive Jaws um, hot dog that they're introducing. And what's amazing about it is, is that the bun is the shape of a shark and the hot dog is coming out of the mouth of it. It's amazing. You guys got to really see a picture of this because it's it, it looks both delicious and like I kind of want to put that on a bookshelf. And also kind of weirdly sexual. I don't know. I don't, yeah, <laughs> a little bit of that too. Um, but uh, it, it marks the uh, 20th anniversary of the Osaka Japan's uh, opening. Uh, so it's been around for 20 years now, um, and they still have an operational ride based on Jaws. Um, when my wife and I went to Universal Studios in Hollywood the first time uh, back in 2012 for our uh, honeymoon, we got to walk around Jaws Lake, but it was the ride was already gone. Like we didn't get to experience it, unfortunately. It but, was just uh, like the floating body of Roy Scheider in the middle. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, and my wife is a huge Jaws fan, and she's a vegetarian, so this won't mean too much to her. But like. This is the type of thing that I'm all in on. Like, I'm like, there's a jaw shaped hot dog. I have to have this. Like, I, I don't know. Like, um, we're now planning. Uh, we're to, hoping to that uh, we'll soon be yeah. vaccinated. Oh. We're planning an October trip out to Universal in Hollywood again for Horror Nights in October. So knock on wood, maybe we'll get the Jaws hot dog. I don't know. So there's um, there's other menu items here. Like we didn't even look here. There is um, there's a Delorean white bean churro. Um, that's okay, whatever. An ET chocolate. Is it in the shape of the Delorean? Yeah, like there's a sticker on it that's a Delorean. I don't know if that's whatever. It's just like I don't know. Whatever this is, it looks like it was like shocked by a lightning bolt from the clock tower. I guess that makes sense. Um, an ET chocolate crunk, crunch Sunday. Um, 
Okay. Um, and then uh, <laughs> this is called the da dun da dun like you know the whole like uh, the whole the Terminator like you know dun 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 pepper Terminator beef bun. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, um, there there's some of these the the buns that like they will have with this type of cuisine that, um, like I know what was it like my wife likes the ones that have like the the red bean paste and I like. And the, the phrase red bean paste does not sound delicious to me in terms of like a treat. I don't know. I've not tried it, but the, the Terminator beef bun, um, and then the backdraft super smoked Turkey leg. I'm not making that up. It's a Turkey leg served in a bag. Like it's like, okay. Oh my goodness. There's a firefighter passion fruit and lemon soda. Okay. And then there's a 20th anniversary pizza cake set. What? What's a pizza cake? I was just, I'm confused by all of this. Oh man. Okay. Uh, Universal Studios so, Japan Steve stewed beef curry set. Uh, what else is here? Oh, sorry. 20th anniversary special Italian sausage and vegetable set. It's just a pizza. I don't understand that. American Dream Burger set. Oh my gosh, Steve, you need to look up this American Dream Burger set. I'm looking uh, at it right now. <laughs> describe it. Oh my gosh. This is the biggest news of the day. American dream. <laughs> so it looks like is it a hamburger topped with a chicken? Like I, it it looks like there's it looks like a hamburger some with pizza on top of it. It looks I, okay. Maybe is, it's a oh, chicken. Is it pizza? I, maybe it's pizza. I don't know. But you see, uh, obviously, tomatoes, lettuce, onions, uh, pickles, uh, cheese, a burger patty, and then looks like a hot dog slice, and then like a grilled chicken <laughs> finger. Is that like a chicken strip? I think it's a chicken yeah. strip, and then it's served with fries and onion rings. So, Steve, I know normally when you post the episode on social media. On your science slasher page, you you do like a four panel thing. Can this yeah. be one of the images, please? Yeah, I will. I will absolutely make this be one of the images. I okay. I love I, the fact that it's like, what do Americans like? They like fat, greasy foods. <laughs> this reminds me of the, the Taco Town SNL skit, where like, where it's this guy training taco, and it's this Chris Parnell saying they keep adding more and more ingredients, and at one point they're like, it was wrapped in a pizza. Then Andy Sandberg's like, pizza? Now that's what I call a taco. Uh, oh my god, this is a nightmare. Which I mean, it's called the American Dream, I guess. You wow. say it's a nightmare. I tr- like, try this. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not even gonna lie. I mean, I would try to eat this. That's that's. <laughs> The glutton that so, I am. Okay, so my challenge for you next week is to make this because you've already figured out the Kmart sandwich. <laughs> Could you make the American Dream Burger, please? Oh my god! <laughs> I'll have to find out what all the things are. Oh my god! But I, I was gonna make a joke, and because yeah, we hadn't got to this yet, but like, is Backdraft really the biggest? Like, <laughs> there are other movies in their stable that they can really base things they, around. They have. They have three. Menu items based on backdraft. It's like, do yeah. you, like, is 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 Ron Howard like a like is he a, like a, like a, like he's not that he's not a celebrity, but is he like royalty over there? I don't know. Like I don't understand this. Maybe like I don't. I just I, you know I I think Twister maybe might be a bigger film than say backdraft, and I believe that's a Universal film. So like I, was say, I know he didn't direct just, that, but yeah, I think Twister would be better. There you go. Like, why isn't there a Twister churro? That seems to make more sense to me. I don't. Whatever. Okay. And I, I'll say, looking at the DeLorean, uh, that is boy, that is a stretch. <laughs> that is a real stretch. It's not even you, like what you couldn't. 
couldn't they done couldn't they've done like an upside down pizza like from Back to the Future too? Because that was the whole thing, right? Because uh, the dad comes in with the pizzas from Pizza, like the dehydrated ones, like the tiny ones, but it was upside down when he came in to the house. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Or or do you like? Uh, I mean, I guess that that was. Uh, I think they had Pizza Hut labeled on the pizzas, so maybe they couldn't do maybe. that. But like, you could do like a 1950s style thing, or, like, like Max Hedrum on a stick. Know. I don't know. Yeah, like, yeah, just call it the Clock Tower, where you just you eat it and you just get shocked immediately. I don't know. I, I will investigate this uh, this burger and find out all of what's on there and see the, if I can recreate it. I think I think the, the American the Dream Burger should be called the Mister Fusion because it looks like the Apollo garbage they put on top of everything. <laughs> um, it does look like though there's like cord on it too. Which, <laughs> there is not something that's put on a bird on yeah. a burger. Oh my goodness! Like I don't understand any of this. And like, is that a hot dog slice or like a fried bologna slice or is it a fried <laughs> spam slice? There's so many questions here. Like, oh my god! Oh, there's a there's a burger hidden underneath those things too. So there's at least two burgers oh, on there. Man. Like, this feels like this yeah. insane. Yeah, I, I just I don't understand life anymore. Anyway, so there was a Jaws dog that that tipped off all this, right? So the jo- why is that one the most the most approachable? You know, it's the it's the Jaws shaped bun deep throating a hot dog, and we're okay with that. Um, <laughs> You know, I do look at it like I'm looking at the special Italian sausage and vegetable set, and it says on the box New York style pizza. They clearly don't know what New York style pizza <laughs> looks true. like. Like why? Why is there no like sense. there's like what is it? I don't know what it is on the outside of the 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 crust. There, it looks like they took some frosting piping and just put it on the edges. There, like. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is uh you What guys... Americans like on their pizza? I don't know, cake frosting? That makes sense. It tracks. It, you know, if it tracks, you know Little Caesars is gonna do it next. You know, hey everybody, here's the pizza cake. Oh, there's the mini mayhem burger plate. Oh my gosh, this if this doesn't get like um like somehow nominated to the House of sorry, to the US Senate and like a red state, I don't know how this minion mayhem burger plate could probably <laughs> run unopposed. Yeah. It's a minion thing with a burger with chocolate. This this could probably run for Congress and win. Like that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> oh my god, this this whole menu is amazing this, and scary at the same time. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, <sighs> so we just found a vault of horror. That was amazing. All right. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll post images from this. We promise that we'll make we'll make a better radio. This is ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So the last thing here before we get into to WandaVision, um, I just, I love, I love this headline. It's from, um, it's, it's from AV uh, club, uh, the, the art, the onion AV club, Elizabeth bank, sorry, <clears throat> Elizabeth banks has two words for you. Cocaine bear. So <laughs> I'm already in. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the, uh, this article is not long, so I'll just read it straight up here. So like the, this is me coming up with content. Thanks pod decks. I can just read stuff off the internet. I don't need to buy you anyway. Uh, <laughs> Close your eyes and picture yourself in a movie theater. Uh, there's a trailer playing on the screen, one of those old-fashioned ones where it's just exciting words and phrases flying at the screen. Each word is more exciting than the last, and by the end of the imaginary trailer, you're practically throwing your popcorn in the air in excitement. As for those words flying on the screen, here you go. Phil Lord, Chris Miller, Elizabeth Banks, cocaine, a bear, cocaine bear, coming to a theater near you. So yeah, she's actually making a film called Cocaine Bear, 
Um, that's actually being produced by uh, Lord Miller, who we like them from the Lego movie. Phil Lord um, was the main writer behind Into the Spider-Verse. Like, these guys are doing a lot. They, uh, where was it? They they produced Last Man on Earth. These guys are amazing. And Elizabeth Banks, uh, she made um, Pitch Perfect 2 as a director. So, like, I know she has some good sensibilities. Uh, but this is actually, I guess, um, this is based in a real thing that happened here. So here's here's the the um, the elevator pitch. Uh, in 1985, a drug smuggler named Andrew Thornton fell to his death because he jumped out of a plane while carrying too heavy a load while parachuting. That load was presumably drugs because before his death, he dropped a bunch of cocaine out of a plane somewhere over Georgia. And as you could probably guess from the context clues, that cocaine was later found by a bear, specifically a 175 pound black bear. Uh, the story stops being fun at that point. <laughs> Because bears aren't supposed to eat bags of cocaine, but that doesn't mean cocaine bear isn't one hell of a concept for a movie. Yes. Oh my god. So you know Phil Lord and uh, and Miller, like uh, I just put them together. Uh, well, because though they, <laughs> their their production company is called Lord Miller, so it's Phil Lord yeah. and Chris Miller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, screw the Snyder cut. I want the the Miller and Lord cut of Han Solo. Yes. Uh, I want that movie. Um, but, uh, boy, oh boy, uh, well, the, 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 to be fair, you had me at cocaine the, board, they were re- replaced Everything by icing. They were replaced by Japanese royalty, Ron Howard to finish that movie. So anyway, <laughs> that's true. He's huge. In Japan. <laughs> Get him on the movie. Hey, he has three separate food items named after like an honor of backdraft. <laughs> It might be like the only property that they outright own or something. I don't know. Like I, I'm still confused as to why that that choice was made. Well, did, but, wait, didn't Ron yeah. Howard? Didn't he direct Cocoon? He directed both Cocoon movies, right? Why isn't there yeah. like a Cocoon burger that has like the face of Wilford Brimley on it? Anyway, I, let's. Sorry, we're done with that story. Let's just go forward here with the cocaine bear. Let's ride this train. Which I feel like after our discussion about Maximum Overdrive, we need cocaine bear. <laughs> Yeah, I, I want to know, like, I want this movie to be just, like, crazy, but also deadly serious. Yes. Like, I think that that's, this, that's this the should best be, way to play it. This is Grizzly 2. It should have been called Grizzly 2 Cocaine Bear. That should have been the movie. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in. I, you had me at Cocaine Bear. I didn't need to hear anything else, but everything else was icing on the cake. Oh, man. Like what? Like what would be the sequel to this? Like Meth Alligator? Like I don't understand. Like just <laughs> that's the Asylum movie that's coming. <laughs> yeah. Meth Alligator. Yeah. Meth Gator, aka a typical day in Florida. All right, no <laughs> Tuesday in Florida, aka Meth Gator. Um, all right, so yeah, that's that's it's a lot of news. So we talked about a lot of video game stuff, uh, and then we talked about weird food that got weirder as we went, which is amazing to me because I was going to ask you, like, if you could make a food stuff after a film, that nothing we said would have prepared us for what we found. So let's be it honest, it wouldn't even come close no. to this. Like, we would have tried to be funny, and then reality just slapped us in the face, said, you know, it'd say, hold our beer, be more like, no, hold our American dream burger, you know, oh my god. Uh, and then, and then we got cocaine bear. I think that's a pretty good round of news. I think, I think we think we did a pretty good job this time. So, oh my god, yeah, I <laughs> we were looking for stories too. Like that's the irony of this is we were like, ah, oh, we don't really have enough news to really have a good news section tonight. And then 
we both happened upon it in the uh, the bloody disgusting stories at the same time. It's like, oh my god, how can we not talk about this? But I did not know that it was going to grow into this amazing menu. I thought the the hot dog was going to be the spotlight. No, <laughs> that's the most normal thing on this. Like I just, oh Christ <laughs> in heaven, I don't even understand any of this. Like this, I mean. I don't know. Like, I feel like if we showed up here just being like, uh, you know, just overweight, like white American dudes, they'd be like, welcome. We have such delights for you. But like, yeah, yeah, I, we're ready for this. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. So yeah, let's just get out of this. Let's just get into, let's get into something that's not as laugh out loud funny, I guess. Let's just get into our discussion about second half of uh, WandaVision. And now for our feature presentation. So this just did, as we took a small break between uh, our news and going into WandaVision, I uh, had sent the link to that weird foods to my wife and she looked at all of it. She's like, well, it's a cultural thing. She was not surprised by any of it. And I don't know what that means. <laughs> she thought the American dream looked perfectly fine. Well, she's like, well, you know, it's a cultural thing, meaning that like, I, I think you've, well, you've seen Arrested Development, like remember it was it in the little Britain where they had the American restaurant. Right, where everything was just ridiculously like overdone. Yeah, I yeah. guess that's fair. I guess so. Like, I don't know. But and then when I pointed out the minion burger, the chocolate on it, she's like, I'd try it. I'm like, okay, well, all right. Fair enough. <laughs> anyway. Well, I just did it. I did a, uh, a, a quick Google search of ingredients of American Dream Burger, <laughs> Universal Studios, Japan. Uh, I've not come out with uh, an actual. Uh, a description of what's on the burger, but I will I will be on top of it. I promise. I, I just would like to like think like you're gonna you're gonna call me later tonight and be like I hear helicopters and black vans are circling my house. No, like you're you've asked <laughs> you've asked the wrong questions and suddenly this is gonna be a problem. Oh my goodness. So anyway, enough about that. Enough about uh, bending reality one way. Let's get into talking about uh uh Wandavision. So uh, again, I'm gonna toss one of these out here again. Just everybody heads up. Do you know why they are called spoilers? I believe when we kind of had our diversion on the one episode, we kind of talked about like the first four episodes and kind of like our thoughts and feelings. Not that we're going to have like that definitive break, but I think that's kind of where we were the last time you and I talked about it. Is that, does that seem about right? Yeah. I don't even know. Yeah. Maybe it was the first four. I was like, cause I, I know that we spent some time talking about the first two and uh, where I fell as far as saying that I thought that uh, they could have done it in one episode as opposed to two, but I, I we may have gotten through at least four, but it wasn't a, a serious, deep discussion. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we had, I think we had a decent discussion at the time. So with that being said, uh, with everything kind of with all the cards laid bare, uh, this was originally set up as in like, well, people, you were led to believe that this is going to be more of a sitcom type of thing, which we talked about previously. And each episode was like, from what we believed of the first two, that this was going to kind of wander through like different eras of sitcoms. But the show kind of, I, I don't think I've ever seen a show like this where it, 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 um, if this was a broadcast television show, it would not have succeeded. It would have gotten a lot of like uh, blowback and it already has because the internet's stupid. But I don't think I've ever seen a show like this where it is purposely twisting in front of you all the way through. Um, with um, so I'm gonna put to you first before we get to the, talking about individual like bits of this. 
you were left a little little flat and cold with the when our initial talk about this. How do you where are you at like emotionally now that we've finished it? I think overall, um, it was a good series. I, emotionally cold. I don't know if that's necessarily the best way of putting it, but I just fair enough. I felt I, I, you know, storytelling please. wise, economically, I felt that what was achieved in two episodes could have been done in one. And, and that's saying something for the guy who sputters on the show and can't get from point A to B in a quick succession of words. So like, I realize that like, I'm not always the best at, at being able to express those points, but I just felt like we had two episodes. One was supposed to be in the fifties. One was supposed to be in the sixties. And to be honest, 50s and 60s television aren't that diametrically different unless you're going to, like, the end of the 60s. And that clearly wasn't where it was at. And it, it just it felt like, oh, we got sort of the same value in the first two episodes that could have been just one episode. Because by the time we get to the third episode, we're in the 70s. It's a Brady Bunch takeoff. There's a different look and tone to it. And I just, that was where I, I, I felt like it lacked. And I thought that, episode four which is sort of where we start to get the reveal of like oh this is what's happening once that all started to come together the show took off for me um as far as like the series ending as much as i liked the finale i still think the sec the seventh episode or no i guess there are nine episodes so the eighth episode the episode before the finale i thought was a stronger episode but that's that's not like a real harsh criticism that I'm making. I just there's a, a, a resonant moment in that episode in which we find out uh, what happened when it, Wanda was in the Avengers mo- mansion watching television by herself and her first real interaction, I think, with Vision. And I think that's a stronger moment. But again, you can't end the series on that, so I can't hold it against it. So okay, fair enough. So. Um, how, like, how did you feel about like the conceit that, um, you, you had the structure of, of different sitcom errors, which I mean, I understand your, your point about like the first two, which I, I agree with you. Um, I, 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 I land on the bit of like, I was like tickled by the first two episodes and they're the most, I mean, when we get to the Halloween spooktacular, which I'm like, I want to, I want to sue them for taking our, our names. <laughs> no, um, when that plays out in the vein of like a Malcolm in the middle, the first half of the episodes, I really, it's a delight. And then I think aside from the fact that they end up doing, I, I guess it was a modern family homage, uh, in mm-hmm. like the next episode, which I've, I've never seen modern family, but I got the whole like single camera, like confessional, like the office type of setup. I get that. Um, I think that at that point it started to break down and it was no longer going to really be about like the setups of the sitcom. Uh, even though there was a wonderful bit in the next episode where the vision's talking to a camera and he's like, why am I doing this? Like, that's actually a funny bit where he really realizes that he's under the spell of whatever's going on as well. But I think the sitcom setup starts collapsing there purposeful and it starts like degrading. Um, I was all in like, I, I was there for the laughs and I think it's almost like, how do, how do I describe it? It's almost like, um, uh, like either like a concept album where you're like, Oh yeah, side one's going to be this or, or uh, or a double album, right? It's going to be like, like, uh, here, here's, here's a poll melancholy and infant sadness. It's like, Oh, this first album is going to be this. And the second album is going to be this. And this double album, we're going from like 
album one to album two halfway through the series and it's a different different emotional beat and i can't think of another series that does this this quickly and this well absolutely i i agree with you on that i i think that also you have to keep in mind too that it's it's navigating a lot of territory you know it, it's going between you know whether you want to call them sitcom cliches or style cliches of sitcoms from those specific eras um it's also telling you a story of these two characters and sort of let's be honest like vision and and wanda i I hate to put it this way but they're bit characters in the avengers films you know i mean it doesn't mean that they're not important it just means that like tony stark captain america and thor are going to get most of your attention in those films. Well, because both and, both were birthed out of the out of Age of Ultron. That's where they both first right. showed up and then they've never had their own their own moments. Like you you've learned about them through other bigger movies, right? Cuz after Age of Ultron, the next time you saw um Wanda was um The Winter Soldier. Not no, I'm sorry. No, that's Civil no, War. Civil, uh, Civil War. War. Civil War, I'm sorry. And then and then we go on from there, right? It's like like we get, and then eventually we get to the eventually, um, uh, what was it? Um, infinity war. And we learn more about them there too. It's like, they're always in the, they're always in the corners. Right. So you're right. Like these guys, both of these and the vision, like not that I'm saying Wanda isn't a complicated character because clearly she is. And they've given her a lot to deal with here. Rightfully. So vision's a very interesting character too. That's been kind of like, he was sidelined, but I also give credit to the, the greater Marvel cinematic universe that you still kind of got what he was about. But giving room for these both these characters and actors to breathe, oh my goodness! It, it almost makes you like know ahead when we're getting the Winter Soldier. Sorry, the Falcon Winter Soldier. That's like, oh yeah, those guys too showed up in other movies. They've never had their and own thing. Well, I also wonder too if if we have more of an investment because we know that those two characters are in a relationship because we've read comics. And we have a, a history with them. I do wonder, like, I, I rewatched, I don't remember if I discussed this on the last show. I don't think I did. I did a rewatch of Infinity War and Endgame, and I did them as sort of a marathon. I watched them back to back. And uh, boy, oh boy, those movies still work for me. Um, but the scene in, in Infinity War, when, you know, they kind of find out that the world's falling apart and they have this very small discussion about the time that they've had together. And we've seen that they've grown as a couple from where we end in civil war mm-hmm. It's very touching. And, but you know, infinity war has got to move <laughs> <laughs> next thing, you know, you know, cap showing up and all hell's breaking loose. And, you know, we got to get the stone out of vision and the plot keeps going. Um, I wonder if the audience has as much of a connection to these characters as, as you know, the Marvel faithful or the comic faithful, if you will, such as ourselves, you know, since we know like, Oh, this is an important relationship in the Marvel universe. So I did question that a little bit as somebody like, does this mean as much to me as it does, or does it mean as much to someone else as it would to me? Because I have this backstory knowledge, but I can say that one of the strengths of the show is, is that it shows you how strong their relationship is Mm -hmm. and it shows you the connection that they have to each other, which to be perfectly honest, I don't know. I could probably, you know, count the amount of, you know, Avengers comics that I've read 
where those two are prominent characters. Like, I don't know that I have that many. They're always in the background, and it's it's nice to see them pushed forward. And even though I have that in the back of my head, um, they did a wonderful job of of taking those two characters, and I don't want to say, because I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm saying that they're exploiting their relationship, but, like, they're building a series out of just a relationship between two characters, and then they're Avengers, and then there are all these other circumstances, and I think that's what made the show work. Like, if if you, if they never had the series, and you and you got their arc, like, in, like, the margins of Ultron, uh, you know, Civil War, and, um, you know, Infinity War and Endgame, I think you would have gotten at least the character beats. So whenever um, Wanda shows back up again after like the, the unsnap and she goes to a Thanos that doesn't know who she is because he's like earlier in his timeline. And she's like, you took everything from me. And he's like, I don't understand. That's still a very satisfying moment. I think now with this nine episodes, when you see her go after him, uh, which, which is earlier than when the series takes place here, that I know it gets a little wobbly. Um, like, I think that has a bigger meaning now, like, because we now like, not that we've not been aware of Wanda's loss. It, there's been much more of a focus put on it. And I think the through line of this, of grief is it's, um, uh, it's something that has been explored a little bit, but it's not been like so directly drawn to and how people deal with grief and how they, you know, how they process. And this happens just to be in, um, unknowing to her, probably one of the most powerful figures in the Marvel cinematic universe that doesn't know how to deal with all of this loss that she suffered of her parents, of her brother, of, you know, the, this like, you know, person that she cared about that they never became husband and wife until like, you know, until she willed it into existence in the one episode, but they were, they were together, right? Like everything's been taken from her. Um, and then she has the ability to affect reality itself, which she doesn't know that she has, which we'll talk more about that in a second. Um, I think this is a really interesting way to go through that in which, um, <laughs> I say this because in two weeks we're going to be watching, um, the Snyder cut of justice league. Um, I don't know. Snyder approaches emotions, emotional outcomes the same way as like other people do. I think a lot of the Marvel stuff gets to us because it, it, the same thing with the comics, you relate to the person before you, um, you relate to the person first and then you get all about like their character and powers later. Right. And I think, I think this, this, this show did a really good job of you giving a shit about Wanda and even like a couple episodes in when Darcy's like vision's dead, right? Like it's just, you just understand that like, Oh my God, she is in this prison of her own creation. So we believe. Well, let's also talk about that a little bit. You mentioned Darcy and you know, I think uh, one of the things that this, this series did wonderfully was, is that it highlighted characters that we had met previously, but didn't have either hadn't had a lot of time spent with them or hadn't seen them recently. So like Darcy has been AOL, AOL. Yeah. She's been America <laughs> online. Yeah. Yeah. She's been, she's AOL been AFK or AOL, ASL, whatever. No, like they, since they, the dark world, which I believe is 2014. So it's been six years at least since we've seen her. Yeah. In a Marvel film. And then you have Randall Park as Jimmy Woo, who we were introduced to in Ant-Man and the Wasp. But like, 
we get we get healthy doses of both of those characters uh, throughout this latter half of the series. So much so that people are like, I want a Jimmy Woo show, and I want a show or a Jimmy Woo Darcy show where the two of them are like doing you know Marvel style X Files um, you yes. know stories, and everybody's like, yes, sign me up for that now. Like one of the beauties of this show is, is that it did take the time to explore not only Wanda and Vision, who are sort of and again, I don't mean to make it sound like they're bit players in the Avengers movies, but they're not as important as the the main three. And then with this, you're you're grabbing characters who were in other films and giving a, a spotlight to them. And I think that's what's wonderful about this show is is that like we got. I didn't expect. I, I never thought Darcy was coming back, other than the fact that Thor: uh, Love and Thunder is being made. I was like, well, maybe, but I'm like. She has not been a part of the Marvel Universe since. And I thought it was smart, too, that they're like, oh, hey, look at this. Darcy has now evolved as a character. Well, she's, she's been away long enough to actually become like, you know, a scientist on her own. Like she can actually it isn't like they they, they froze her in time. It isn't like they fridged her. I think that's the term you would use. Right. Like they've actually let her develop as an individual. So and I'll be honest, like I Oh man, I, Kat Dennings, like I have like a love hate relationship with her. Like I think she can, I think she can be entertaining as other times where she just grates on me. And it's like, I it's just, there's a handful of performers out there that I'm like, I'm okay with them and certain things, but not everything. And she's one of them. And so when she showed up again, I'm like, ah, I don't know, but she ends up being a lot better than worse for me in this. And I, you know, it's nothing against her, I guess. It's just, at least they didn't let her like, I just, there's times in the Thor movies where it's like, can you just stop talking right now? Please, please, please. You know, and here she had some really good lines and she was smart. She was resourceful. She figured shit out and she had some good jokes. So I was all in. Yeah. I've not run into that problem, but you know, I, I can say that uh, for me, it was a joy to see her. Um, Jimmy Woo, Randall Park. I was, I was all about him as was most of Oh, judging by like social media, I think everybody is on board for like, give me more Jimmy Woo now. Like, yes. uh, you should go, you should go look up. He was on Conan recently uh, talking about doing action sequences and action, like the fight sequence mm-hmm. he had. I don't know if you've seen the clip or not. He no. talked about during the fight choreography, the, the fight guys were like, he's like, the Marvel people are really good and they know what they got to do to make a good fight. They had to keep coming up to me. And they're like, why are you screaming? He's like, cause I'm going to fight. And so, <laughs> I guess he had to keep himself from like yelling like real loud while fighting. So then Conan's like, let's take a look at that fight sequence. And they just dub in screams. <laughs> and it was really funny. And also I'm going to toss out a recommendation. Look up on YouTube for people. There's a, a comedy central show called this is not happening. Look up Randall park talking about this time when he had an, an unfortunate timing of nervous diarrhea It is one of the most embarrassing, funniest things I've heard in a long time. <laughs> Well, the other thing that I would I was going to point out too is is that uh, even though you know we had the Agents of Shield television show that I believe went on for more than the three seasons that I watched, it went seven. Um, yeah, that's yeah. what I hear. Um, <laughs> and there's a big there's a big Agents of Shield tie into this too, and I'm going to tell you in a second. You're going to be like, oh that anyway. Continue. <laughs> well, I I always felt that like when they when we lost Coulson in the films like it was it was nice when we got to see him as a younger man uh along with nick fury and captain marvel but like we sort of lost that everyman character mm-hmm. and uh jimmy Woo fills that perfectly so i that was my other thing was i was like okay if we're not going to get a series of jimmy Woo, 
you know, solving crimes in the Marvel Universe, at least make him pop up in every movie. I want him to be the new recurring Coulson who's just like there, you know, whether it's dealing with, you know, like I'm, I'm hoping he pops up in Winter Soldier and oh, that'd be um, amazing. With, and the Falcon with, with like, the, with the I, new I magic trick that he's to. learned because I forgot about the close up magic part of uh, the Ant Man movies with him. I forgot about that. I like that he was working on it and he actually started being good with it. I thought that was funny that they've given his character an arc as well. Yeah, so hopefully we see a lot more of him. You know, I, I would love to see him him uh, become that, that Coulson figure within the Marvel Universe, which I think is kind of one of the pieces that we've been missing since Avengers. Yeah, so are you ready for the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. tie-in to this? Um, that's Because you, you stopped watching because, you know, the show got better, but I understand. Uh, the Darkhold. That that dark book of magic was actually a big factor in like season five of Agents of Shield, um, <clears throat> and it was part of the Ghost Rider arc in that series. So when the Darkhold showed up again, I'm like, the Ghost Rider thing! Like it was, it's you know that's a, like they also there's a bit where um, they make um, like a portal. Like long story short, to quote somebody I know that's on this show, there's a bit where somebody's making like a portal, and it ends up looking like a sling ring from Doctor Strange because of their knowledge from the Darkhold. There's some cool shit that happens in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. later. But when the Darkhold shows up again, I'm like, oh, they're priming this to be like, th- this is bad. This is real bad news. And I, I dug it. I know we're, we're jumping around a lot here, too. And I, so I do apologize. We do have a a, a, um, a proclivity for doing that. But uh, I just want to mention, you, you mentioned Doctor Strange. And I, I just want to talk a little bit about fans' expectations and their own theories. Because yes. this is one of the things that not only drives me crazy within the Marvel universe, but the crazy amount of theorizing that would go on in say the star Wars universe would just drive me crazy. And it's like, just, can you just, can you just sit down and enjoy it for what it is? Like not everything has to be connected and no, I'm sorry that a book that you read somewhere in the EU that no one else has read didn't prove out to be the theory that you were thinking it was going to be in this movie. Like, I saw a lot of people's expectations being like, well, we didn't get, you know, the Doctor Strange, you know, cameo. We didn't get, um, you know, Mephisto. We didn't get, it's like, can you just enjoy it for what it is? Like, yeah, can I, I actually, Christ. it's funny that you bring this up because I, I knew, I knew we were going to go here. So, uh, here's a headline, uh, from CBR.com, which I don't like using as a news source. So I'm not going to click on it. WandaVision, 10 misdirects that went absolutely nowhere. Hey person, go screw yourself with clickbait. Uh, WandaVision showrunner explains why Dr. Strange didn't appear because it's not his show. I'm just going to throw that out there. Um, what else we got here? And I'm going to blame this on Luke Skywalker. I, me of all people blaming this on Luke Skywalker, but like I realized like, okay, so the day that the second season of the Mandalorian's last episode went up, it was like early in the morning. Like I couldn't, I had to close my Facebook feed for the day until I could watch it. Cause I'm like, all right, something's going to get spoiled for me. I know something major happens. And like, I was expecting the same thing with Wanda and vision and, or Wanda vision. And it never happened. And I'm like, that's weird. Okay, people are being oddly cool about this. Good. Because there was no Luke Skywalker style, you know, giant cameo. And it didn't need it, but like people had it so baked in that this was what they were going to have happen and, you know, had built their expectations upon. It's like, we're going to see Doctor Strange, you know, in a movie theater in a year from now. So let it go. 
Yeah, it's just, here's another one. Marvel fans shouldn't be surprised that the MCU keeps trolling them. Just, dear God, just just, just shut up. Shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Um, yeah, this is just, there was one, I, I don't have it here now, but it, like the headline was something like, uh, like why I'm left disappointed with WandaVision. And it's like why I don't have a girlfriend, um, as I watch WandaVision, I that's, I'm sorry, I'm generalizing why I don't have a partner, a significant partner after watching, um, WandaVision. Like, it's just all these things. It's like five things that got right, five things that got wrong. Just Christ in heaven. Just, can we have a minute just to like, when I mentioned like, this is kind of a unique TV series. This is not unique to comic books. And you can speak to this much more than me, Steve, than, than I can, where if this was a nine issue, like limited series, like, like limited event, like w- w- as a comic book reader, you would just accept like, okay, that's nine up like nine issues. Right. And now we are like, we got it. It doesn't have to have every single crossover. It doesn't have to give us all the answers. Does it give us a satisfying story and sets up like a, what if for the future, I think we would have been much more forgiving of it as like a comic arc. I don't know if, I don't know if a lot of the internet's ready for that yet. I, but I think Marvel's done a good job of setting up like these notions of like, you can have these like multi-tiered stories and things going on and you're not going to get all your answers, but there's going to be times where you're going to be like, holy shit, they're doing this. Like the, um, the, the reveal of uh, Pietro, right? Like that was a swerve and then a swerve and then a completely different swerve. And I'm okay with it. I'm completely okay with it. Did it take the piss out of people's expectations? Sure. But that was kind of the point, but they also kind of gave that character a little bit more to do. And I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with it. But I feel like, um, and you mentioned like the Luke Skywalker thing. I think now because that happened in the Mandalorian, it's like, well, what are they going to do now? How are they going to top this? Not every story has to give you everything you want every single time. Cause otherwise, why would you tune in for the next episode? Well, the funny thing about that too is, is that, you know, uh, people started building these theories. And uh, the only thing that I can say in regards to the theories is, is that like, there was never any sort of direction from the show that made us think it was going to be Mephisto. Like that's all fan created. There's nothing in there that's like, Oh, we're getting Mephisto. And it's like, okay, well, why, why do we think that? Okay, here's why. And you're like, you know, when you're reviewing it, your first thought is, okay, it's, it's, I guess you're making a case for it, but it's a bit thin. It's, it's not a villain that we've met before. And it's not one that, that really would have to impact the story. And I think actually, you know, um, friend of the show, El Goro had posted this on his page, um, a few weeks ago. And he was like, can it just be a story about someone's grief? And, uh, you know, and you know me, I, I always talk about how much I love character and how much I love, you know, storytelling that just at the root of it is a character story and not plot driven. That for me was the hook for this show. Like the fact that like all of this is just the result of somebody losing somebody and not knowing what to do with their, their guilt their their, their grief makes it that much better for me. Um, and I, I realize that that's going to vary from, from viewer to viewer, but I think people need to manage their expectations sometimes just because something doesn't line up with the way you predicted it was going to end. Doesn't mean it's bad. It just means it it went a different way. Are there things that, uh, you know, as we get further into this discussion that I'll mention that I didn't 
enjoy, sure. But I'm not going to hold it against the series because it didn't meet up to those things. You know what I yeah, mean? No, I, I agree. I just, um, I was just kind of like, I, I, I feel like also too, I'm just, I, I'll mention this, that I feel like this is also receiving like a lot more scrutiny because it's the, it's the first Marvel thing, like from like the bigger Marvel productions that we've gotten in over a year. So I think people are like waiting for this to be like, this is how it leads in the phase four. It's like, cause it exists. It's next in order of things. That's why it's the, anyway, it's like, this didn't need to plant the seed. That's going to spread to every other thing that's going on in the world. I mean, you can kind of see how this leads into the Dr. Strange movie. That's cool, but I don't need this to be like, oh, and they're going to they're going to set up Mephisto, and then also I think Kang the Conqueror is going to show up, and I think also they're it's just just Christ, just it's like it's also going to bring all the mutants into the MCU. It's going to do all this. It's going to also Uncle Ben's going to like, he's going to come back alive and give us all a hug. Just calm down, you know, like Christ. It just bugs me how all the expectations heaped upon this, which this does relate back to our discussion about like the Mandalorian, where. It un it unfavorably shoulders the burden of expectation. So I don't think that's fair. So I think if people just take a step back and realize that, like, um, this really is the story of two characters that you mentioned, which is Wanda and the Vision. Um, the Vision already being dead, uh, and the, the Vision himself never really coming to terms with what he what he thought he was, or even what he was, and then being recreated in Wanda's you know conjured reality. And not knowing what he was, like still trying to figure out what he was, and then facing his own reanimated corpse and trying to figure out, it's like, there's a lot here that it's like, I think if people just kind of just like breathe it in and just like, let it sit for a second, it's way more satisfying, but no, we got it. So, we got to set up everything all the time, all the time. I have, I have a question for you. Um, and this is something that, that it's not something that, like, you know, bothered me to the extent of, like, ah, to hell with WandaVision. It didn't tie up this plot line. <laughs> but my question to you is, is that, uh, you know, Vision, and I don't mean to make it sound the way I'm going to make it sound, but, like, he's essentially Stark property. I don't think I got a sufficient answer how S.W.O.R.D. ended up with Vision as opposed to Tony Stark. Like, I feel like that's... When Tony comes back at the beginning of Endgame and we see that he's emaciated and he's torn apart, I still feel like that would be a thing that he would clean up. Like, I feel like he would feel like he owes it to Vision to at least give him either to respect his final wishes, which was to not be uh, not resuscitated. I don't remember what the term was, but he had a, he had a directive, yeah. essentially, that, you know, he was not supposed to be messed with post you know, death. Um, that was one of the things that just sat in the back of my mind is I was like, I wish I would have gotten just something that explained to me why Tony didn't end up with the vision's body. Well, and like, I'm not saying you needed an appearance by Tony Stark or anything, just a line that was like, you know, we got there before Stark did because it happens on Wakanda. Yeah. And I feel like Wakanda. Uh, well, okay. Like, like if we can expand, like we expand our thought process a little bit further, like this is, I, I don't like getting into like fan theories, but you're right. It happened in Wakanda, but this was right as the snap happened. Right. Um, like half the world's gone. And even if Stark's like, no, we need to protect his body. Uh, this takes place after you know, all of that. Right. So we're like five plus years later, Tony's gone. Like why wouldn't the U S government be like, 
eh, we're going to do this anyway, because that's never happened once in U.S. history. No, no, and, and that's fair. I, yeah. I'm just saying that I would have liked a line that would have been like, you know, uh, you like, know, it's like, what about Stark's Stark mandate? Was, and he did be like, here, F him. Like, just like, <laughs> no, like, you know, had, um, you know, and I, I want to mention this too, because I don't think that this gentleman got any props really at all, but uh, Josh Stamberg as director Tyler Hayward. Yeah. He's, a, he's, he's, he's kind of our villain, but not our villain. But, like, he's really good in the show. Like, I, I really liked that, you know, I had a feeling that, like, yeah, he's probably not a good guy. But I thought that he did a good job of playing sort of ambiguous in a lot of ways. In, in the same time, um, you also kind of understand his, the, like, that, that, makes, that makes the good villains where it's like, oh, I can see where he's coming from. But you're going about this the way wrong way type of thing, you know? Yeah, like, it, but yeah, it would have been I just thing, would have preferred you know. a line that was, like, once Stark was gone... Uh, the U.S. Uh, seized any property that was Avengers related, something along those lines. It just would have been I, great. Been been like, well, what about Tony's mandate? He'd be like, I don't know. There's something there. What is, what is it? What is it? What is it? Oh yeah, he's gone. Like, like yeah. okay, would that have been? It'd have been like, and oh yeah, it, like it's yeah. a minor quibble. I'm not saying it like, oh, it ruined the show for me. Screw the you know the show. But like, it was just something that was stuck in the back of my head. I was always like, ah, why didn't Tony have? you know, the vision's body. That's all. That's fair. Or people also is like, well, why isn't banner saying anything? Cause he's the co-creator of Ultron, you know, like, but also we're living in a post Avengers world. So who knows what's going on? He might, he might just be hacky sacking it. Like, you know, in a quad somewhere. Being I don't like, think he knows. Maybe. I mean, honestly, but maybe not. Maybe, maybe nobody knows. Maybe like they swooped in and grabbed it before everything. Right. But, but at the same time though, Darcy knows the vision's dead. It's like, I, whatever like, who, like we don't know the in-between which i think is okay like i think i think in this case maybe and i, I understand your point but maybe um in, instead of giving us an oddly specific answer that maybe would create more questions like it's also kind of like real life where it's like shit this like sometimes things happen between issues that we'll never quite see what happens right and also from a story standpoint once they get which by the way they call this thing project cataract i think that's kind of a dumb name for a project um because i know it's the vision but a little cloudy i get it i get it um you know they could have i don't know they could have called it double vision. project pupil Pro project eyeball you know <laughs> you know uh g no, not jeeves uh what was what was his name um oh uh, what's the name of the AI? Um, oh, uh, the Stark's AI Jarvis, Jarvis, Jarvis reborn, you know, like whatever ask Jarvis. That's what they could have called it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, but, but the whole thing, when they show up with, with the white vision, um, which I told Steve for start recording, I was going to Google that. And I was like, please don't let this be like a hate website. Um, I thought that was amazing because in the comics, uh, you had what they called red vision who we've seen. And then eventually in the West coast Avenger run, which I, I, I think I looked this up to be correct. Um, uh, they ended up, um, changing the character a great deal. I think John Byrne and I'm, maybe I'm crediting that wrong. Didn't like vision as being like this relatable, like human that had a wife and all this. So he just kind of was like, Nope, screw that. We're going to wipe him out and make him more of like this distant robot and make him white. Um, and then they do this in the show and it's like, and then how they leave it where, um, you get this artificial construct of vision having a philosophical debate with the reconstructed body of vision. How, like, I gotta put this to you, Steve, like how great was it to actually have like 
um, the, you always see the mirror image fighting one another. That's a big, big trope, right? With like comics. And we got mm. the fight, which was really cool seeing how they phased out of each other and all that. That was badass. But I like, did you like the whole thing? It was like, Hey, time out. How about we talk about this philosophically? I thought that was perfectly aligned with the character. I, I thought that was amazing. Oh, absolutely. And I actually, I, I hate to say it, but I thought that that was far more interesting than the uh, fight between Agatha and, and WandaVision that was happening outside. I, I thought that the, the two visions having this philosophical discussion and sharing information to figure out who they are, who they were was far more interesting. And I like the fact that, you know, the two of them are just talking, um, about, um, Oh God, it's something thesis. It's the ship. Theseus, Where the whole notion is like, it was like on display, but as it degrades, like pieces get replaced. So at some point the whole entire ship's going to be replaced. So is it the ship of Theseus still? And then also any items that were brought from this that were used to make something else. Is that also the ship of Theseus? So the conundrum is, you know, it's like the whole notion of like, this is my, my grandfather's ax. I've replaced the head three times and the base three times, but it's still my grandfather's ax. Like that. Cause you get the notion of like, I'm pieces parts and I'm, and I'm the memory of, Neither one of us are, but we both are. That's really cool. I thought that was really great. I'll be honest. I was kind of surprised. I thought I thought that they were going to go, because there's a line. I don't remember where it's in the episode. It might be actually at the end. But where, you know, Wanda says that, you know, uh, your creation was essentially. She says something about the fact that, like, it, you weren't just a mind stone. This is what you are is what was who you really are, mm-hmm. something along those lines. I, I'm butchering it, but essentially she's stating that like the mind stone didn't make you what you were. And the, what I created in this world is who you really were. And I, I kind of thought we were going to see the two visions com- combine. I thought we were going to see. Yeah. I thought he was going to um, like, like, you know, like download into the white vision and become like vision complete. I thought that's what we're going to go with that. Yeah. So I was surprised by that. I was like, Oh, that's, I didn't see that coming. I thought that's exactly where we we're going to go with that. And, um, it's interesting that that's, uh, that the white vision kind of leaves and, and we don't know where he's going to pop up next. I don't think it'll be Dr. Strange. I think it'll be whatever the next, you know, Avengers movie is, or he's a character that I feel like we're going to kind of forget about. And again, this is not fan theorizing, but I'm just saying that like, I feel like, We'll get enamored with other areas of the MCU, and then we'll come back to something, and like he's gonna pop up, and we're gonna be like, "Oh, White Vision, of course!" Like, yeah, that's just my feeling. Like maybe even Captain Marvel two, or even like um, the third Ant-Man movie, because I know they're bringing in uh, Kang, right? That uh, Kang the Conqueror. Um, and, and that's the other thing you, you just mentioned, Captain Marvel two. Like, uh, well, there's a huge character that we haven't even talked about yet. That's fair. So please, I, I I'm not trying like. Oh Christ! There's so no, much, there's here so much to just digest. It's yeah. nine episodes, but a lot happens, and there's so many different aspects of the show that we can talk about. But you know, Monica Rambo, who we're introduced to in in Captain Marvel as a, a little girl, you know, she's a, a full grown adult at this time. We see that she's also her story is parallel to Wanda's in the sense that she's lost her mother, and in the same sense that like. I, I kind of actually feel like Monica's story is a little harder to take because while Wanda was presence 
present for the the death of Vision, Monica went away thinking that her mom was fine and came back to find out that, like, oh, you've been gone for five years. Your mom lived another three years and then died. Yeah. Like, I I, I completely get that. Like, that's – and, again, I'm speaking as somebody who has, at this point, lost both of his parents. That, to me, I think is is a, a, a very potent story to be told. And I hope we get a little bit more about, well, we will, we'll get more about Monica as a superpowered character in Captain Marvel two, but I hope we get a little bit more about her relationship with her mother and the grief that she's carrying, because I thought that was an important part of this story. Yeah. Because and, there's that parallel too of like not being able to say goodbye, you know? And I think Monica recognized mm-hmm. that. I also just want to point out too, that this was also kind of like the, like we got like when we saw was a Spider-Man um, far from home. We saw the effects of the snap. It was more for comedy. Like, I'm um, sorry, the re-snap, I'm going to call it when people came back. Uh, we the get, blip, I think is the how blip, they refer yeah, to the blip. We get the horror show version of that here. And I think it's important to see that because it is, it is alarming how she comes back to reality and all the chaos ensuing around it as well. And I think it was smart too, the way that they set it up with Monica, where it's like, we're going to give you just a little idea that she's got powers now, but we're going to let Captain Marvel two define what those powers are. Like they sort of left it in a spot of like, yeah, she can do some things. We see her phase and we see a couple other things that she can do because of her going back and forth between uh, the real world and, and Westview, but they don't really define it. And I, I think that that's, it's both good and bad in the sense that, like, you kind of, I kind of wanted a scene of her kicking ass, but I'm like, they're saving that for Captain Marvel too. Yeah, I can't be angry. It's also that. kind of funny because we end up getting like this fully, like, well, closer realized image of what Wanda as the Scarlet Witch is because her powers were never super defined the previous times we saw her, other than telekinesis and how, um, you know, New Quicksilver says like the 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 wiggly bit she does with her fingers. But we leave Monica in a much same spot of like, oh, she's powerful. We don't know how. Like they almost like put her in the same spot that Wanda was coming into the series, which is kind of funny. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, going back to Pietro real quick, and again, this is not because I just got done talking about like fan theories and like you know you shouldn't base the expectations of the show upon your own theories. The only thing that I can say about Pietro is is that I I I, I got the joke. Like, I got the Ralph Boner joke, and I, I, I understand how it fits also within the, the confines of a sitcom. Growing Pains had a character named Boner on it for I don't know how many years. Christ, like, you just, I, I didn't realize it. that. I didn't realize that was a bo- Like, I realized it was a Boner joke. I didn't realize it was that Boner joke. All right. Thanks. Yeah, didn't pick up it, on that. It, it, <laughs> it may not be, but that's where I went with it. But um, the, the thought that I had was, is I was like, wouldn't it have been funny if she'd have been like, oh, this is an actor, um, you know, that I, I like had, we just got a line from, from Agatha, like where she's pointing out like, oh, I forgot. I got this actor who played uh, her version of her oh. brother in these movies. Like, I think it would have been funny if like the X-Men would have been movies within the Marvel universe. Like if it was actually Evan that Peters way. that she pulled in to be a part of this. That, yeah. yeah, that'd be funny. 
so I, I was like, oh, I'm like, I get it. I'm like, I kind of would prefer it if it had just been Evan Peters, but whatever. Like, I'm not, again, I'm not going to like, you know, storm the castle over no, that. There, there was a brief joke in that, um, that spectacular episode, whatever, uh, Evan Peters playing, uh, you know, um, uh, Pietro and he was then dressed up Halloween wise. And like, I, lo- I also love like their, their take on the original Marvel outfits. I thought that was a lot of fun where mm-hmm. she's dressed up in the full Scarlet Witch regalia and the vision was dressed up as like, you know what we knew him as. And then Pietro was like, like Quicksilver at one point he said kick ass. And she, like he ran away and she, and Elizabeth Olsen stopped and was like kick ass because um, Evan Peters was in kick ass with Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, who was, Pietro in Age of Ultron. So, you know, what's funny is, is that uh, the director of the series, and we haven't even talked about him at all. He actually watched a, an interview for those of you who, uh, who have YouTube. I don't know why I'm saying it like that. <laughs> like, like YouTube is some exclusive service, but um, did Kevin you know there's Smith tubes of called- you out there? Did you know that? All right. <laughs> Kevin Smith has a show called fat man beyond uh, that he does with uh writer uh, Mark Bernardin and uh, their most recent episode, they had the director on and they discussed the series. He said that it was never really intentional that it was supposed to be a kick-ass reference, but he's like, once people pointed it out, he's like, Oh, that even works even better. Oh, so like it felt, it was just that it felt very like on the nose. I was like, which felt out of place for the entire like series. I was like, really? We're going to do a kick-ass I, reference here. I don't know if maybe he just didn't get it at the time. And maybe because, you know, Elizabeth Olsen, you know, had worked with Aaron Taylor Johnson both in Godzilla and, you know, um, uh, Age of Like, it would be great if Evan like, Peters I, ran away and she'd be like, my ex-husband slash brother? Like, like <laughs> or sorry, my like dead husband slash brother? Yeah. Maybe the way she delivered it was maybe that, like, you know, she knows that that's what the reference is. Oh. I don't know, but. Um, I just thought it was funny that like it was not initially intended to be a reference to Kick Ass. Okay, well then I read so, too much into that. I thought that was, was funny though. It was it was just a nice coincidence. Yeah. Um. So all right. Um. Where were we go with this? I know you mentioned um, Matt uh, Shankman. Shankman. I want to say Shankman. Like he was in prison stabbing people. Um. I just want to mention that his bread and butter is TV work, but he also directed uh forty three episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So if you want somebody, he also did, um, what else did he do here? Uh, psych. He did a few episodes of that. Um, he did an episode of, of mad men, uh, weeds, Chuck, like he has had, everybody hates Chris, uh, which is very like, you know, kind of winking at the camera kind of show. Right. Like this guy has, um, well, Oliver Bean, do you remember Oliver Bean? Do you remember when that came on? It was like kind of like the fifties version of, um, Malcolm in the middle. I don't know if you remember that or not. I don't, I don't remember that now. Yeah. It didn't last. Um, so anyway, like you got this guy who, um, has his bread and butter and like, like sitcoms and like, you know, this, this 24 minute storytelling on top of the fact that he directed two episodes of game of Thrones, whatever. So I guess he understands how to handle spectacle as well. Um, I think his sensibilities through this, uh, was like very important because I think he got like the tone of the sitcom, and then whenever, you know, things, what was it? Uh, when, when things stopped being fun and started getting real, I think he got that as well. I think, um, this could have been a complete, um, just, um, it could have been a train wreck of a series, but I think the tonal shifts are, there, there's such confidence with everything that once you start moving into other areas, 
you're along for the ride and you're almost not even noticing it, which I think is a good mark of like of a well done production. I think also, and I can't take credit for this because this also comes from the Fat Man Beyond interview, but like he talks about the fact that he was a child actor and like he was on sitcoms in the eighties. Like he uh, was on an episode of Facts of Life. He was on Different Strokes. He was on an episode of Night Court. Two episodes he was on of Growing Good Morning. I see that here now too. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. two episodes of Growing Plains. He was on Good Morning Miss Bliss, which would eventually become Saved by the Bell. So yeah. like. He also had this sort of intimate knowledge of sitcom workings as an actor, and I think that like a lot of that played into because he was also on just ten, just the ten of us, which I don't think anybody rem- remembers who unless they were alive in nineteen ninety. Um, well, he was in forty seven episodes of it. Oh my gosh! I also yeah. I'm also upset now that he was in one episode of Night Court, and we did not get a Night Court specific episode of WandaVision. <laughs> But he, he, you know, in that interview, he was talking about just, you know, having both that perspective of having gone through it as a, you know, a young actor and living through that and becoming a director and the different experiences that he's had, you know, making shows. You know, he 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 talked a little bit about when he was on Game of Thrones that like it Game of Thrones was sort of filmed similar to a movie like if you were directing an episode, you weren't like, oh, I'm going to direct this episode and I'll be gone for a month. Like he was like, it was a significant chunk of time because they filmed it, you know, in different, you know, uh, episodes at different times. And, but you're all there at the same time because you're working with those actors within those, um, particularly, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm now, I'm trying to think of the term from Game of Thrones where they're in the snow, which I think is Winterfell. Yeah. Um, long story short, he was just talking about like, you might work like six days a week on, on Game of Thrones and you might work two days the following week simply because it was all done at once. But there are all these different directors working with these different actors and characters. Wow. And um, he was, you know, talking about like this was a rare opportunity where he got to run kind of everything as the director and how he had, um, you know, approached it working with. And he doesn't say because I don't even know if it's still been. Is Sam Raimi has Sam Raimi officially been announced as the Doctor Strange two yeah. director? I don't. Yeah. Okay, I didn't think it had been. I think it had been speculated for a very long time, but without a, an official announcement. No, from because Disney. once um, Scott Derrickson stepped away, which I believe that's the guy that directed the first Doctor Strange, and he also did Sinister. Um, it was like, oh shit! Well, what's going on with Doctor Strange two? And then Sam Raimi's like, I got this, and everyone's like, oh yeah, he made um, two thirds of good Spider Man movies. Well, I guess we're okay now, you know. Well, he, he talked about like you know the extent the the extensive process of making this, directing all the episodes, um, and the fact that like he's like, oh, we worked with the people who are behind Doctor Strange two, and we worked with the people who are behind Captain Marvel two. Like he he was like, we we need to make sure that we weren't stepping on anything that they were going to be doing, but we also need to make sure that we are building the characters so that they're in the appropriate place when we pick up from those films. Okay, and uh, I think that that's important to what you're saying oh, is ahead. that his experience is probably in other TV and also Game of Thrones prepared him for like it's not so much the assembly line, but you you got to kind of know what's coming behind you so that you're not going to mess it up for everybody else too. Well, I think I just think that his experience, and I know I, I was very long winded there, but my apologies. So the point that I was making it was, was his experience as a child actor growing up 
making sitcoms in the 80s to him being a director and working on all these different projects. Like, yes, he, he did 40 episodes of It's Always Sunny, but he also did Game of Thrones, which is a huge action piece. Like, I, I don't know. Like, he, he, everything he brought to the show, I'm like, wow, he was kind of tailor-made to do this, was the very uh, short point that I was trying to make in a very long way. I just want to point out that because of that connection, I think it's because of that though, that, uh, uh, Ben off and Weiss, uh, went to the, it's always funny guys are like, Hey, what if we write an episode for you guys? And they're like, uh, okay. And so they wrote an episode of it's always sunny. So then eventually I know, um, what was it? Uh, Mac and, and Dennis show up and, um, the last season of game of Thrones. Cause they're like guys on the boat that get like shot in the eye or whatever. So there's weird connections. Do they? Between, yeah. There's definitely a bit wow. of, like one of the big, like things towards in the last season where, uh, you see, um, Mac just turn towards the camera and just get annihilated. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but the episode that Ben Off and Weiss write for It's Always Sunny is actually really, really funny because uh, it's uh, it's it's a play on um, the flowers for Algernon thing where supposedly Charlie Charlie um, goes through this uh, process to get smarter. And it's the way it just works out is really, really funny that like it's great that these guys kind of got the the pulse of the show and how terrible things can turn. It's one of my favorite episodes, but also I want to point out too here. I know you've not really uh, like watched Game of Thrones. There's an episode that uh, Matt uh, Matt Shank. What do you directed. mean? I've, I've, I watched all of it. Sorry, it's always sunny. Not Game of Thrones. It's always sunny. Oh, okay. sorry. I was like you know, the other the okay. other one with, with dragons. On. No, sorry. There's an there's an episode. It's always sunny it's from 2015 called Charlie Work, which looks like a lot of it's done in one take that Shackman uh, directs. And it's Charlie trying to get the bar ready for like a health inspection. And it's one of the funniest things of that series has ever done. And it's like wonderful. And the music's wonderful and how it all looks like it's one take. Like, I just, I just want to throw that out there. This is not nothing here or there. I just like that episode a great deal. So anyway, um, where, where do we go? What, what do we got left? We got, we didn't even talk about Agatha. We didn't even talk about, uh, like the big, yeah, the big final mean, confrontation. I, 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 yeah. I feel like we've jumped all over the place, and that's partially my fault. Yeah, um, that's what I do too. The rest of the fault is on you, the viewer oh, or listener. I thought you were going to blame um, me. You're going to be like, you're going to be like, forty nine percent Steve, forty nine percent Paul, and one percent the listener. You know, like <laughs> sorry, two percent the listener. No, I. You know, Agatha is a character that honestly I really don't have any knowledge uh, about in the comics. I uh, they did do a little bit of a fake out where. Uh, the episode previous to her reveal, we see her in a car where vision basically is like, tell me what's going on. And he releases her from what he thinks is Wanda's vision. No pun intended. And she tells him like, aren't you dead? Like, I thought you were, you know, an Avenger. Can't you help me? I'm in constant pain, whatever. And I, I bought it. I was like, Oh, she's not somebody. So like, that makes total sense. And then the following episode, we find out who she is. That's a huge reveal. And uh, we haven't even blown up like Catherine Hahn's amazing in this, but also Elizabeth Ol- Olsen and uh, Paul Bettany give great performances oh, in this show. Yes. All three are amazing. Yeah. But like, uh, yeah, Paul Bettany's really good. Like I didn't realize like, well, I knew he was capable of like comedic chops, but some of his timing in the early episodes is amazing. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen's a chameleon. And I mean that in the, the greatest way possible that she's able to like ape, like the different like eras of sitcom delivery. And then also, I also like, by the way, I like the, how they kind of, um, explained away her, um, lack of and sudden appearance of her Sokovian accent. I thought that was great. 
I loved how it's like, oh, part of it was like, you, you know, we're in these sitcoms and that's fine. But then when she popped back out in the real world for a second, it was like full on Sokovian. Um, and there's also the notion too that um, because of her guilt from what happened in Civil War, uh, she was trying to kind of phase it out and like not draw as much attention to what happened. But credit to Olsen that she would oscillate on purpose and how I even liked it when Catherine Hans character of Agatha is like, huh, funny thing about that accent, how it comes and goes. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. I, I thought that was really uh, funny as well. And I didn't know if maybe they were poking at the fact that like, you know, and again, I don't mean to make this sound like, you know, you're working with different directors, but you know, uh, so much time passes between the films. I didn't know if maybe it was an intentional slip you know, they're like, you know, you're, 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 um, what's the word I'm looking for here? Your, your accent slips between, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. And honestly, I never noticed it. So I never really thought about it within the context of the films. That said, in the show, it's funny that they pointed out. So. Yeah. So anyway, uh, but credit to Olsen though, because like the way she was able to do like the Bewitched, um, the Dick Van Dyke and, uh, and then when she, like, I, I guess, like, again, I've not seen Modern Family, but I guess she was, like, perfect in line with one of the characters, how their mannerisms and the way she talked. She, yeah, she was on par with uh, Julie Bowen, who you would know from uh, um, Happy Gilmore. Um, and I can't think of her character in, in Happy Gilmore, but I just know that that's one of the things that you've seen. But, yes, Julie <laughs> Bowen uh, is the uh, character I think that she was probably conveying the most or the closest to from modern family uh so happy more was that um was that uh trailer howard is she in that in the series or no i, I don't think so okay. no okay I'm gonna, I'm gonna look this up you said julie bowen right so i'm gonna look this up see if i'm mm-hmm. okay uh there we go um oh okay i mean maybe what was she in happy gilmore anyway that's weird wasn't she the 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 lawyer slash oh i get her and trailer howard confused i'm sorry you're right there um if you saw trailer howard you'd be like oh that's her but that yeah julie bowen trailer howard was in the dirty work um with um norm mcdonald to me she'll always be the girl from two guys and a girl yes in a pizza place. there you go yeah anyway sorry you're right my apologies I, I got them mixed up, rightfully so, but I apologize. But anyway, so yeah, I guess uh, everybody was like, com- commenting on uh, how Elizabeth Olsen got her mannerisms right. Um, but yeah, just like you have to have an awareness and absorption and um, execution to nail all these type of sitcom like tropes and deliveries. And she didn't, I like, she does such a good job that. I hate to say that I think people are going to um, forget about her uh, comedic stylings in this whole series. I think she's really funny. I, I agree. Actually, I thought she was really funny in it. And I, I know that that was the thing that I think you pointed to in the first two episodes where you're like, those two are a hoot. And I'm like, I, I get it. Like I, I, I'm not, I'm not putting down their performances. I just, I initially was like, yeah, I kind of, could have done less with this. I would have liked to that's, move that's on fair. to another era. But like, you're right. Their comedic timing is fantastic. The uh, the scene with Vision where he's having the confessional and he's sitting in front of the truck because <laughs> he and Darcy keep getting like stuck um, is really funny. I, I really enjoyed that because he's kind of put off as well, where he's just like, why am I even talking to you? Like, why is this a thing? 
Um, and him sort of breaking that fourth wall, I thought was really funny. Well, I like it too, where he's like, why do I, like, I could fly. <laughs> like I could just get out of here. I thought that was great. Um, and I also think I credit to Kat Denning. So she's already worked in like sitcoms and other things. I think she, like she knew her place and did a good job there, but yeah, like there's just some, there's some, there's some bits here that it's like, you're either, you're either along for the ride or you're not. And I think the sitcom stuff, especially the Malcolm in the middle stuff in the one episode, uh, the spectacular one where they did the flashback as, um, of Wanda and Pietro's kids, like trick or treating. And they got a fish that felt so appropriate. And then how it even called to the bigger thing of when they did the callback or the flashback. And then they come back to the now and Wanda's like, I don't think I remember it that way is like speaking to like the bigger thing going on. But it was still such a funny gag that you're like, God, they got like, and also kind of speak to it. Like, I know we're going long because this is what we do here. Um, the money that Disney spent on each incarnation of the house, like how crazy is that? Is that there were set designs that were only used for minutes per episode. And I can't get my mind around that at how much money was spent to get the look of each um, time frame. That's crazy to me. I think also the fact that, uh, you know, they had real studio audiences for some of those episodes. I don't know if you realize that. But I know they the first couple they did. I know they had a couple of them to actually get, like, actual reaction, right? So that's fun. Yeah. Um, I so think, anything that I was, think like, the, a sitcom yeah. that... I'm sorry, the, the pregnancy that episode had. that was the Brady Bunch one, I think that was piped in, like, canned laughter on purpose, right? But, yeah, the first couple, yeah, oh, my gosh. I'm stepping all over you. I apologize. No, no, that's okay. I just... I remember watching the episodes. I, I make it sound like it was 40 years ago, but uh, weeks ago when I was watching the episodes, like I remember my wife um, and I, there's a, an eighties episode where it feels very much family ties slash full house. And she's like, Oh, that's the family ties house. And I'm like, it's not exactly. And she's like, well, it's, it's pretty close. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, I think what they're trying to do is evoke a feeling of that era. I'm like, I'm like the Brady Bunch episode. It's not exactly the Brady house, but it's pretty damn close. It's not exactly the, you know, Keaton house from, um, family ties, but it's pretty damn close. Like, I, and I know that there are departments, particularly, you know, they have access to this in, in Disney, you know, I'm sure that they have prop departments where they're like, we need a, you know, a pop can from 1982. And they're like, yeah, we got that prop. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I know that there's certain things that they have set aside that they recycle and use for other shows and things like that. But the amount of detail that they put into each of these shows to make them um, specific to the era, I, I think was just incredible because each one of them felt like they were out of that era. They didn't feel like they wouldn't, they, <sighs> Yes, they felt modern, but they didn't feel like they were out of step with the times in which they were supposed to be produced. No, I agree. And then I just, oh, Christ, we even talk about the commercials that were being used too, like that they made for the show, like and how some of that kind of looped back around too. Like there is, this is a labor of love, which um, I know that that also sounds kind of like, um, that sounds like a, a, a double entendre in the sense of like, this is Wanda's grief becoming real, right? Mm -hmm. And then like, we learned that she, as, as she, since she encountered the mind stone before vision existed, how it also kind of interacted with her because she, as we find out that she is a Sokovian Scarlet witch, which also, by the way, I like, it's not, it's, I mean, I guess it's a retcon, but it's also like Christ, they brought in the name 
they brought in the outfit. They brought in the chaos magic. Like all of this is like one of those things where it's like, you know, this is the character. Um, but it's like, Oh yeah, let's just do this now. Let's just do this. Um, I, I love it. I love that they're able to bring all this in because I also feel like there's a certain amount of trust, uh, for the average viewer coming into this, that we've come so far. And I always joke about like, you know, a, uh, a sentient tree and a raccoon that are best friends that shoot everybody. We've come this far. You can start bringing in chaos magic because then that opens the world up a lot more. And it's like, I'm, I'm excited. And I just love that they've actually brought her like full, fully into what she is. And they gave her the name and it feels organic. I, I mean, when Darcy referred to the, the whole perimeter as the hex, I'm like, they're getting there. They're going to go there. And then I thought Darcy would call her like the Scarlet witch as in like, I'm going to make up a cool name. No, I, I adore that they were able to like to to make this feel like the next progression. I thought that was great. I know that this is the comic book fan in me, uh, so I, I I realize why they can't do it. But I remember during the spooktacular episode where she's dressed as the Scarlet Witch, I was like, "It looks pretty damn good." Yeah, like I kind of want to see that on screen now. Um, uh, I, I, when we get the actual Scarlet Witch outfit from the end of the episode i realize why it's designed the way it is because it's going to look great in a film and it's going to fit into the world but i was like can we go back to the the other scarlet witch design i kind of liked it more at like, least we got the headpiece i don't i, I, I know it's a quibble but we got yeah. the headpiece, right like same thing with the vision like whenever we saw him and i his interpretation originally on the screen it's like yeah i can see where they're going with that and i love the explanation age of ultron why he has a cape because he looked at thor and he's like oh that's a hero Guess I have a cape now. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it also goes back to, I remember when the Luke Cage series was on and they were like, well, he's not going to wear just a yellow shirt and like, you know, jeans or whatever he's wearing. But then they, they went out of their way to create a shot where he's wearing the classic, Oh yeah. You know, uh, you the Luke Cage and the, the wristbands like, on from escaping the prison, right? The experiment. It's like, yeah, Christ, that's Luke Cage. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I still kind of want to see that, but I can see how ridiculous it is. Like, on screen, yeah. Yeah, I'm torn. I'm like, I kind of want to see him pull back. Maybe pull some of those deep reds back into the outfit that they end with and maybe make the, the headdress a little less designy. Maybe. You know, that's fine. I agree with that. It's just at least we got, like, I don't know. Like, I, I'm fine with it. And you're right. It is very cinematic in terms of, like, what was going on for the style. But at least we got her. We got that the idea that the Scarlet Witch was it was not just her. It's, like, a foretold prophecy of, like, whatever. Like, it's – I like that we understand that she doesn't mean harm. She left that town in a lot of harm, which I am sure is not going to be forgotten, in terms of the MCU, right? They're going to be like, you screwed up that town a great deal and you just left. Um, I think that's going to be spoken to later. But I also like that, like, she's not cut and dry. She is a wild card because she is, like, a being of chaos now, right? And she's learning and reading from the Dark Hold and all this. It's like, and then we all, and, and, and literally the title of the next Doctor Strange movie is the, the Multiverse of Madness. So um, I just, I am so happy that we're now starting to get, like, people that we can like, we understand where they're coming from, but it's, it was, it was like when, with the X-Men movies, how they tried to wedge the Phoenix story and like, like at the end of like three, right. Of X-Men three. And then again, in dark Phoenix, which I've not seen the, she is, she is the equivalent power set of like the Phoenix 
And now we know why. And now she's let loose and learning. I think that's way more interesting. Yeah, I'm excited to see where we're going to go in Doctor Strange 2. I also, you know, we got an after credit scene. We got two after credit scenes. Yes. We, we we got one where we, we saw that she's now studying the Darkhold. And she's learning about who she is and what her powers mean. But we also got to see that Monica is in contact with a scroll and very much left to the, you know, the direction of like, hey, there's somebody up there who wants to talk to you. And I believe that she's referring to Nick Fury since we left (laughs) him in space in Spider-Man. With with the the, the division of sword up there, too. So this is going to get a little confusing, which I also like that it's like, oh, we can't have a big agency that is like all good or all bad. Yeah, that's that does. That feels a little too real. Like shield fell, so I guess it's time for sword to screw up too. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I, I can't argue with that, but also, you know, at least it's not infiltrated by Hydra, so at least it's a human error as opposed to like an evil one. I no, guess no. Hydra was also sense. Hydra was also human, but now they got scrolls, right? And I guess Marvel announced the Secret Invasion series as well through Disney Plus, which I'm excited for. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is. This was like this is a bridge to other things. That's fine, and I'm sure uh, Falconer Winter Soldier will also be a bridge to other things as well. Um, I I really like this series a great deal. I also like it was um, the showdown between Agatha and um, Wanda whenever they're up in the sky above above Westview. Um, whenever it looks like Wanda is just like just like going full out and missing shots uh, at at Agatha. Um, that's actually a really fun, like that's a good character and good story payoff of what's actually going on. I thought that was awesome. I, I didn't dislike it, but I was far more intrigued by the vision fight. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. So Christ, I just feel like there's stuff we didn't even get into because that's what we do. We didn't. It's nine episodes that we're trying to squeeze into an hour. That's fair. So, all right. Uh, Give me your top 20 uh, moments right now. No, I'm I'm kidding. Uh, So, no, I mean, honestly, like the best line and it's all over the Internet, so I don't even have to say it. But like, what is love but grief or what is grief but love persevering? Come on. No, like that's an amazing line. When the hex is collapsing. And everything's being set back to reality. And when they say goodnight to their, their kids and they know even the vision knows the, 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 the red vision knows, uh, that the, the, they're going away too, because this is Wanda's reality that was made out of grief and, and it's coming to an end. And he says goodnight to them. That's, that's heartbreaking. But then when they're watching everything come in and, and he's asking what he is and she explains like, you're my love, you're my grief, like all this. And then, you know, he explains about grief and then she's like, you know, we said goodbye. We'll say hello again. It's like Christ in heaven. Like, just can you just I, I, shut up? You're crying. I'm not crying. It was amazing. It was, it was, <laughs> so let me, let me wrap this back around real quick. I know like we're already two hours plus, and I'm sure you have an intricate game involving many pieces that are moving. Um, I had mentioned at the beginning, yes. <laughs> um, I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, uh, that I had watched the good place. I finished it. Um, 
finishing that series, which deals with like uh, four souls stuck in a potential afterlife and trying to find their place in the world and getting better and accepting things and letting go of things, especially that finale. And then watching the next day, the end of WandaVision. And then also being in a pandemic where you feel like you're stuck at the same day over and over again, a lot of this compounded on me. And I've been struggling with a lot of things since watching like those two things and just like looking at life. Not, not that I'm like going to make any like rash decisions, but it's like, Oh Christ. I don't know if WandaVision was the best thing to release during a pandemic or was it the best thing to release during a pandemic of people struggling with their place and trying to make a home for themselves and not being told what to do and then finish the good place where it's like, Oh, what is the afterlife? And does it mean to get better and to say goodbye to things? Steve, I'm in a messed up place. I'm just going to put it right out there. I just, those were, those are some weird things to watch back to back. I think that, uh, and I haven't watched it since it originally aired, but the, good place ending is one of those endings where it's like, wow, it's, it's an ending that you don't expect. And it's an ending that doesn't necessarily say that like, I angrily dropped something while you're talking. I continue. That's okay. Yes. Yes, In some ways it says that you can have a happy ending, but also that like at some point you end being who you are and become one with the universe. I think once you sort of, go beyond that um, and look at the way WandaVision ends. And I mean, certainly we're being a little bit teased with what happens to the kids at the, uh, in the after credit scene of this, the show. Yeah. Um, you know, that things persevere beyond, I keep saying that word because it's from that, that, well, that it's, it's wonderful line of the show, yeah. but like, yeah, things are, tied together and um, I don't want to say natural, but uh, I, I can't I, I, give me like, you know, a week to write down a sentence that can compound it and I could find, probably get there. But here I can just say that like um, it's a nice it's, it's a, a wonderful way to uh, say goodbye and knowing that uh, you know, it was as it was meant to be. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I mean, I just hope you appreciate my, uh, emotional avalanching of like the night before finishing the good place. And then coming, I, into I the couldn't night. do those two back to back. What are you kidding me? I, like, I didn't know. I didn't like just, I mean, I kind of had suspicions, right. But both of them are dealing with like, um, the world that you make and, and being, you know, and, and letting go. Right. And it's just, I just mm-hmm. need, I need Jason Mendoza to be in WandaVision. Now that's what I needed was Jason, uh, Florida man, Jason Mendoza from the good place to end up in WandaVision or WandaVision <laughs> to have an episode. That's about the good place. That would not have happened. But, um, yeah, it was like, uh, you know, dealing with, with those two things, you know, the pandemic, uh, you know, and you know, this, not that the past like year hasn't, it's been weird, right. For all, all, all of us. Uh, and you mentioned earlier about like, you know, you, you, you understand like some, some grief and saying goodbye. Cause you, you have lost both your parents. Like I'm coming up close and like the losing of my father for like a year and my relationship with him wasn't great, but it's like, it's like weird in the back of my head too. It's like, none of this has been like, it, it's a lot to consider. And I feel like WandaVision came along at the, like just the right time to just punch me in the, like the mind and the heart. And then me being the idiot that I am, I'm like, you know what? I should finish that comedy about like the afterlife right now. Like it's been, it's been a weird week 
for the better, but it's been weird. Well, you should watch Ted Lasso because that uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that'll turn you right around. I was thinking about watching Six Feet Under. I've heard good things about it. No, I'm just like, <laughs> 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 no. I I um I think that considering that we've been like a year plus without like any like uh without any Marvel quote unquote content, this was a good like kind of reset and getting us thinking about things. And that we got Winter like sorry uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier coming in like a week from now, like that's yeah, going to be great. I'm just going to say it now. Stop with the, the theories. I don't want to see theories about winter soldier and Falcon. I don't want to see just enjoy the show. People. My theory is, is that both winter soldier and Falcon are both Mephisto and don't know it. <laughs> what was all that bullshit to? That why, why was all that bullshit? Like everything had to be Mephisto. It's like, Oh, Mephisto's coming. Mephisto. It's like, it's the Marvel's version of the devil. It's like, just, just, just slow your roll a little bit. Not everything has to be Mephisto, which I know I posted, uh, I posted on our friend of ours wall about like, uh, something about like, that means Mephisto's confirmed. Like it was as dumb as all get out. Right. Like just calm down. Big bads are coming. Like, Right. We're good. Yeah. Like, just, and I, I think also just the fact that we've been a year without a new Marvel project. I, and I, again, I, I don't mean this in, cause I don't want to go through COVID all over again, but I, I do think that it's not such a bad thing to be able to step away from something for a year and be like, well, we haven't had this in a year. I think it makes it that much more meaningful yeah. when it returns. And I know we're in a cycle where we're going to get three to four, you know, Marvel movies a year now. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm not saying that, like, I'm sure from a financial standpoint, Disney is not looking at it like, maybe we should stagger these more. But, like, <laughs> yeah, right. I do think that, you know, in terms of, like, just being able to enjoy the show and really get involved with it, that, like, that distance helped. So and also, that's cr- just credit, credit to Paul Bettany to being the ultimate troll leading up to the last episode saying, uh, you know, there's, there's a big reveal. It's an actor I've wanted to work with forever. And we like, I just, it was great deal. Like, and it was him talking about himself credit to Paul Bettany, just being like a troll and saying everything that was correct, but people didn't understand what he was talking about. I thought that was great. I thought that was really funny too. <laughs> so, all right. Um, that that's our half-assed, um, incomplete, uh, talk about WandaVision, it's wonderful. I, we've spoiled a lot of it. Hopefully, you guys watched it already. Catherine Hahn was amazing. I know we talked about it already, but I love her in everything, and it was great to see her. Like she's now played, uh, like you know, Doctor Octopus and uh, Agatha Harkness, right? So I now need her in a live action uh, Doc Ock, where everyone just calls her Liz. That's what I need now. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, <laughs> I, absolutely. <laughs> All right, so yeah, that's going to do it for our discussion about the uh, about uh, WandaVision. Let us know how you guys feel about the series on our Facebook page. It's Invasion of the Podcast. You can email us directly at invadingpodcast.gmail.com. Wherever you find your podcast, please rate and review us. And if you enjoy this conversation, let other people know. Um, we would greatly appreciate it. And also, uh, Steve, um, how can people find you? You can find me at the Saturday Night Slasher.com. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook under the Saturday Night Slasher. And if you want to buy a comic, just head over to 
uh, Etsy. I was going to say Instagram, but Etsy. Head over there, look for The Art of the Slash, and you can buy issues one and two of the Saturday Night Slasher, plus uh, issue one of Beyond Sunset, which is a horror anthology. Perfect. All right. So, yeah. Um, now let's just get into our, our game of uh, Two Truths and a Lie. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. All right, quick question, Steve. After this talk of WandaVision, if you had, if you ended up in WandaVision's bubble, the hex, what kind of character do you think you would end up as? I'm just going to ask that right now, flat-footed, just coming into this before you get to the game. It's weird that you said uh, you said WandaVision, but I heard Long Division, and I'm like, Long Division? What is he talking about Long Division for? I will never ask I... you a math question. That like, <laughs> yeah. If math and me met in a dark alley, I'd come out with like broken legs and like just a bloody nose. That, so I'll never ask you a math question. My understanding was there'd be no math question. <laughs> um, yes. I don't know. I, I There's part of me that thinks that I would just be like the... Uh, Like, uh, this is me projecting, but, like, you know, back in the day, I always wanted to be, like, the John Goodman type from, and I mean, I'm successfully filling that role um, physically, but, like, I always loved John Goodman on Roseanne, so uh, maybe that's the character I would want to be. Do you think you'd show up with, like, a can of cream corn, then, and just, like, you're just going to make dinner (laughs) for everybody with a can of cream corn? So uh, I don't want to, I don't want to delay this, but, like, (laughs) one of my favorite episodes of Roseanne is uh Jackie's husband beats her up and uh Wait, is that why it's your favorite episode that's terrible no okay. Dan, Dan goes over there to kind of set to like talk to the guy and like the next thing that we see him is like he's coming back with like fucking, oh uh, <laughs> sorry I w- His- I'll fix it in post we're gonna do it live come on come on <laughs> his uh his his hands are sort of like bruised up and like you can tell that he just went over to the guy and like beat the hell out of him and uh you know he comes back and and uh he's like oh i should put some alcohol on these wounds and he grabs a can of beer and puts it on his hand (laughs) uh that's i don't know why that's the thing that popped in my head but that's that's probably the character I would be. I'd probably be like the bumbling neighbor. Like I, I'll just, I'll mention Craig from uh, Malcolm in the middle where it's like, I I'm well-meaning, but i like, there's just times where I'm like too smart for my own good and cause my own problems to happen. Like that's, I think that's what I would be like, you know, just, or I just wish you or I could be Wilson from like a home improvement. where you just like give like wisdom through the fence. <laughs> See, I wouldn't give wisdom. I would probably be somebody's, um, you know, uh, oh God! I, his name just fell out of my head. Uh, Newman from Seinfeld. I would be. You mean Wayne Knight? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I I would also hope to be uh, like Jefferson Darcy and Married with Children, which I'm not attractive like uh oh um oh what's his name the actor, but you know I I also if I had to be stuck in like a Wand Division thing, I think Married with Children would be like a fun one too. I'd just gonna throw that out there. As long as I'm not Alan, I'm not working in a shoe store. That's I'm, I don't want that. I, I'm probably also a little closer to Red Foreman. Um, <laughs> just an Asian guy who's gonna, like angry about everything. You're just going to put a boot up somebody's ass, you know? Anyway, so, <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, what, what is the game? You said two truths and a lie, right? That's the game. Yeah. Two truths, two truths and a lie. 
I've uh, built this around uh, things that I, I feel like you're knowledgeable on, or there are at least things that you're interested in. So hopefully you'll be able to tell which one is the lie of the three things that I will read you. So the first one here, we're going to start with uh, the first subject is your co-host, me. So I'm going to give you Not two familiar. truths. Okay, sorry, continue, please. <laughs> I'll give you two truths and one lie. You tell me which one's the lie. Okay. All right, so the first one here is is that as a child, I tried, tried to create a new breakfast cereal using M&Ms and Rice Krispies. The second one is that as a teen, I ate six Friendly's Reese's Cup uh, peanut butter cup sundaes in a row on a bet. P.S. I won. Uh, or C or three, whichever you prefer to use. Uh, in college, I put a bar of lava soap in my mouth as a joke and chemically burned my tongue. Oh, so which one's the lie? Mm. Oh gosh. All of them seem very plausible for the, the man I know and respect. Um, I'm going to go with the cereal being the lie because I feel like that's something you would do now, but maybe didn't think about then. No, unfortunately I, uh, and I got in trouble for this because uh, <laughs> I was a latchkey kid uh, for uh, like two years of my life uh, where my mom worked her work schedule overlapped with the time that I got home and my brother had to work. So like I kind of had free reign from the house from like, I don't know, like three thirty till five thirty, And uh, um, she had bought M&Ms like the red and green M&Ms there for holiday um, cookies, and I remember like it was like, oh, there's M and M's. I'm gonna make this sweet bowl of Rice Krispie and M and M cereal, and then like I took like a bite, and I was like, oh, this is too much. But I, of course, kept trying to eat it because I didn't want to waste said M and M's. And then I got in trouble because uh, it was not a good combination. And also, the colors ran off of. While the M and M's may not melt in your hand, oh, they the melt colors, milk. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm the like, shells ran off in the milk and made this awful color. I suppose <laughs> that like like the like did your did your mom come home and see like something out of the shining where it's like what's all with the, these pink smears all over the place? <laughs> she well, was wait. more mad that I wasted her M and M's that were were designated for Christmas cookies at the wait, time. Doesn't but, red uh, and green make brown? Like there was just I'm pretty sorry, much. I, oh yeah. gosh, I don't want to think about that now. All right, so that's true. So then, what is the lie? The lie is that I uh, ate six Friendly's Reese's Cup <laughs> peanut butter cups Sundays in a row. But the lava soup is real. <laughs> yeah. So here's the thing. Uh, my partner on the uh, Saturday Night Slasher, Ryan Cassandy and I, uh, would go to the art building in Bowling Green where we went to college. And we would sometime work on pieces late at night. And we went one time with his girlfriend, and we were just dicking around, like, at the end of the night. And, like, I was washing up with lava soap because I'd been using charcoal, so my hands were real dirty. And I looked over at the two of them, I'm like, oh, this will be funny. And I'm like, you know, lava soap really cleans my hands, but you know what I really love about it is? is the taste. And I bit into it, and I wasn't going to swallow it or anything, but I just wanted to get the reaction. And, like, I immediately was like, oh, no, something's not right here. And, like, I spit it out, and, like, my tongue was just, like, it felt like somebody had burned my tongue. And for, like, a solid week, my tongue just hurt. And there was something, and I'm sure it's probably pumice or whatever, but, like, there was something in lava soap that had chemically burned my tongue. 
and had affected me for a good solid week afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but like a, a good, you know, jackass, I, I went for a joke and, you know, it, it, it bit me in the ass, unfortunately. No, it bit you on the tongue and I appreciate the effort. Yeah, but it's it's not hard to believe that I wouldn't eat six friendly Reese's Cup uh, uh, Sundays on a bet. So I mean, not on a bet, like on a Tuesday. Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that about you. I'm saying that about me. Uh, I remember once as a kid, I um, I was just just dicking around with um, like a glow stick, and it broke in my mouth because you know that's what you do as a kid. You bite stuff. Um, <laughs> that was not a pleasant couple hours after that. So oh, I, I get it. God. Ugh. <laughs> They don't taste good, by the way. Just they do not taste. They don't taste green. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can imagine that that's not a good or pleasant feeling at all. No, no. Oh, all right. So the next one here is Blizzard Entertainment. I know that you love the blizzards, uh, not the ice. Like cream, six of them the on a Tuesday. Yes. No. Okay. Yes. Yes. But the Blizzard Entertainment, who creates video game content for you and your friends, <laughs> me and me alone, please. Yes. <laughs> so uh the first one here is is a uh, rpm racing for the N- snes was the first video game the company ever made this is when they were still called silicon and synapse okay uh next one here uh world of Cra- warcraft has over five thousand plus achievements available for players to unlock or c Overwatch was developed as an unused proposal for a modern day update of Burger Time. Which one's the lie? Oh, I know you're being. I know you're joking. Uh, I can tell you that the first game released for uh, Silicon and Synapse, uh, I think it was maybe Rock and Roll Racing, um, which they uh, that's a fun game. Uh, and then also, um, there's there's more than five thousand achievements in World of Warcraft, but Overwatch was not um, an update of Burger Time. I can tell you that absolutely. <laughs> I tried to think of the, like the most like nondescript video game like Burger Time. That's well, no, no. So here, here's the, here's the truth of that. <laughs> um, there was a uh, so they like people like so uh, Blizzard Entertainment would do like earnings calls for like their their shareholders like every quarter, and so they would put out like you know their plans right. So there was a um, a MMO meaning a multi um, player like online game like World of War- World of Warcraft. I, excuse me. Um, that was announced. I forget the name of the project. It has never happened. And elements of that game, which was supposed to be like the next advancement of like um, online play, got rolled into Overwatch. So I know that much. Okay, I just like the idea that like that was Burger <laughs> Time. Like, yeah. Oh, I like it turned out this updated concept of Burger Type. What do we do with it? Yeah. No, I, th- I think it's funny. Kudos to you. All right. Kudos to me. Uh, which is a high regard, I believe. Just don't uh, put them right, in your mouth because so, they'll burn your tongue. That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> so this next one is Darkhawk. Oh, so Darkhold. Uh, Continue. <laughs> Darkhawk, the famous Marvel character that I don't think that I was really aware of until I started uh, hosting this podcast. Uh, <laughs> my my love is unhealthy. Yours. I get it. It's fine. You know. <laughs> So the first one here is Darkhawk was to be an Easter egg character in storyboards for the final battle in Avengers Endgame, but he never paid it, made it past the concept stage. The second one is is that his his amulet is an alien artifact of a forgotten sect of the Shi'ar operatives known as the Fraternity of Raptors, or 
there was once a fan site dedicated to the character titled Darkhawk. I can't even say it. Darkhawk Zone, the ultimate Darkhawk fan site, which is now sadly defunct. Which one of these is a lie? Okay. Well, I know. I know. Um, uh, I'm going to say the first one's a lie. And the reason I want to say that is because I know the second one you mentioned about them retconning the amulet into the Shi'ar is true in terms of the Marvel comics. And the, the, the third one sounds like something I made in my sleep by accident. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. Yeah. I, uh, I just thought it was funny that it was titled, the website was called Dark Hawk Zone, the ultimate Dark Hawk fan site. Like they had to click Dark Hawk into the name twice. Yes. Um, so that was a real fan site though, right? Correct. Yeah, that was a real okay. fans, fan site that is no longer. I tried to access it last night, and I was unable to. But uh, you ended up on the original Space Jam site. I get it. It's fine. Um, <laughs> no, so so the, like the whole thing about Darkhawk. So when they released the figure that I I now own, uh, it was part of the Guardians of the Galaxy set that they put out for the Marvel Legends. Everyone's like, "Oh shit! Does that mean uh, Darkhawk's going to show up in Guardians 2? And they're like, "No, no, no." But they're like, but they kind of always like it'd be kind of nice to nod towards it because Darkhawk did show up in later Guardians runs. Um, so what that what that means to me is, come on guys, we just got Wandavision. We're going to get other stuff. You know, I think it's time for some Darkhawk. I mean, I feel like yeah, the fact that we are introduced to the Nova Corps in the first film, you know, and we haven't gotten Nova as a character. I, I assume that like Nova's probably you know in line, but yeah. I can't imagine Darkhawk being that far away after that. Sure. I just, I, if there was ever Darkhawk actually brought into like the current, like thing going on or sleepwalker, I would lose my goddamn mind. Like I almost lost my mind when moon Knight's going to show up, but moon Knight's way more established than these other two. So I guess, I guess one out of three, I'm okay so far. And also, can I just like throw a shout out to, uh, like with into the spider verse, um, making the prowler, like, a, a scary character like that's a heavy lift and they make that make that character really menacing in that film so anything is possible yeah and i don't think he was announced as being part of the film but uh we kind of got to you know in the uh first spider-man movie or first tom holland spider-man movie we got introduced to um I want to say um, Charles Gambino, but it's it's Donald Glover. Yeah, he, he he's of, uh, he's the Prowler. Like that's the same guy. Yeah, the character's name, but yeah, he was hinted to be the Prowler in that movie. Yeah, we'll see. I'm kind of surprised they haven't capitalized on that yet. Is where <laughs> I, mean, I was going. I don't know. I, I mean, is, is Donald Glover like his star risen higher than that? I think so. So I don't know if he can afford him now. So we'll that's see. possible. Yeah. But all we know, we last saw him, his hands were webbed to the back of a car with ice cream melting. So maybe he's still there. That's fair. Yeah. All righty. So the next one here is uh, one of your favorite beverages, White Claw. So you have to tell <laughs> you don't me which know one me. of these. You don't know me. <laughs> you which don't one know of me these is a, uh, uh, a lie of the three statements about White Claw? So the hashtag White Claw has generated more than 40,000 images on Instagram. Is it that despite the pandemic... Number one Halloween costume of 2020 was the official White Claw costume. Or was it that comedian Trevor Wallace received a cease and desist order after he designed and sold a shirt with the phrase, ain't no laws when you're drinking claws on it. 
Which one of those is fake? <sighs> or a lie? Um, which one of those is a lie? Uh, 40,000 seems small to me for Instagram. I'm going to go with that one. All right. Uh, to be fair, the timing of this was from like 2019 that I took that from the article. So it probably is no longer accurate. But the one that I make up, made up was the uh, pandemic slash Halloween costume of 2020 being the official White Claw costume. Yeah, I just, I mean, I like that um, the, the ain't no laws when you're drinking claws. It's like, that's such a bro thing. It's funny to me, but it's also like, ah, like why? Why the thing that I, why is it the, the beverage that I can drink pretty much guilt-free? Ah, why? I don't want to be lumped in, but I'm drinking. Well, apparently the, the comedian that I referenced, and I'm unaware with, of Trevor Trevor Wallace is the gentleman's name. I'm unfamiliar with his comedy. Apparently, he was supposedly the one who coined that phrase. Sure. And I'm doing that in quotation marks. But, like, you know, uh, yeah, it, it's. I've seen plenty of people getting tattoos of that. And I'm like, all right, not me, but it is. Um, I'm drinking a watermelon white claw right now. It's refreshing as I'll get out. So, whatever. I mean, that's why I've got its Miller time post, uh, you know, tattooed on my arm. Oh, so. your arm. I thought you had a, I thought you had a Coors Light tattoo on your ass. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it's just, you have the Rocky Mountains as a tramp stamp, right? And then you have Coors. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Straight from the Rockies. That's what. <laughs> <laughs> this next the, one. The I know silver bullet. Uh, can, can, sorry, continue, please. <laughs> That's <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make a very bad joke. I'm going to leave that again. I made a bad um, joke. You can pick up a run with it, but or not. We can just keep going. That's fine. I'm going to keep going. Alrighty. So this next one here, I know it's going to hurt a little bit, but this is about Daft Punk. I know okay. you're a very big fan of Daft Punk. Yep. Okay. So, uh, which one of these is, is not true? Uh, is it one that the robotic pair once turned down a toy deal with super seven for a retro action toy series figures, set of figures. Is it that David Bowie once personally rang their story, their, their studio story? This, I, I can't even read. I'm wearing glasses. So maybe sight isn't the issue. David Bowie once personally rang their studio to ask them to remix one of his songs, and they declined. Or was it that, uh, that Disco Stew once wore his own Daft Punk helmet on the Simpsons. Oh Christ. That last one, this, that's too, that's too terrible to, to not be real. Um, oh, I feel like I want this. The super seven thing feels more real to me because like that, like I, them, that feels like, I don't know if people ever approach them for like, like doing that kind of thing. So I'll say that's the, that's the fake one. Alrighty. So yeah, the lie is the super seven deal, but I would point out that they've done everything from, um, iron maiden to, uh, Megadeth. Like they've done like the, um, what's the word? I don't want to say mascot, but like, you know, Eddie from Iron Maiden is okay. the character that they've created for the album covers. But Super Seven, you know, they done other, they've done other figures for other music things, right? So yeah, yeah, that's the point that I was making is like, that. Uh, so yeah, that one is correct. You're you're correct. That is the lie. The fact that Bowie's like, "Can you do one of my songs?" They're like, "Nah, we're good." It's like Christ, that that's weird to me. Um, just because like. <sighs> 
I don't think Daft Punk would exist without David Bowie, like constantly being like this guy who was like changing personas and how they kind of leaned into being like the robots. Like also, by the way, think about that too. Like no matter how old you got, as long as you didn't become like dad bod, people would always see you as a robot. That's pretty cool. Right. Like, and also I'll, I'll give them credit. Like, so like during their scene, like when they were up and coming, um, there was a big thing with like DJs, like doing shows and like, and people come to the, for the music and be like, Oh, this is pretty fun. But now we know what this guy looks like. And it's like, you just see a dude behind a board and that's like the magic's kind of gone. And if it's like, if, as long as you had like two guys dressed up as robots, like it, there's always this kind of like the sense of mystery, which you end up having other performers later, like dead mouse and marshmallow and a couple others where it's like, they're constantly like wearing like a headpiece and you can, you can still see them later, but it's like, that's not the point. Like there's kind of an ageless quality to it. Like, I'm getting into a rant, but I think that's kind of important. Yeah. I, I can't speak to any of the things that you just spoke about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Oh Christ! I can't anyway. say that I I, I thought it was uh, the David Bowie one really gave me pause because I'm like Jesus like I can't I can't imagine anybody turning down David Bowie. That's we'll yeah that I agree way. with that yeah I mean considering the last two songs that they Daft Punk was really associated with outside of their own work was with uh, the Weekend and they're amazing songs and the Weekend's a very talented guy I feel like if Bowie knocked on your door you would consider it just go throw that out there yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure they did, but I was just surprised when they came across that when I looked them up. So, yeah. Alrighty, so the next one here is, is uh, the film The Thing. I uh, just want to verify that. As, David like, Bowie not was me. The Thing. I'm oh, sorry, continue, please. Go ahead. Oh, I just want to make sure that you didn't think I was talking about The Thing from the Fantastic Four. I'm talking about John Carpenter's The Thing. Oh, okay, great. Thank you. I know it is one of your all-time favorite films. Is it, is it, is it number one? Is th- it your top I think it spot? Is. It's probably my okay. top spot. Yeah. Alrighty. So which one of these, there's two truths and one lie. Which one's the lie? First one is, is uh, Stan Winston worked on the film uncredited. Is it that Kurt Russell almost killed himself on set with a uh, piece of dynamite? Or is it that John Carpenter stopped shooting one day due to a cigarette shortage on the set and almost cost the production an entire day. <laughs> oh Christ. Um, I know the first one's true because um, was it Rob Bottin was on set and I think he got sick because of like overwork. So Stan Winston came in for some uncredited work. I think that's accurate. Yeah, Botine almost killed himself making yeah. that movie. So yeah, um, you're right. The bit whenever uh, Kurt Russell throws the dynamite, I think it fired off way faster than it was expected. So I think he almost killed himself with that. But or there was an explosion set off. Oh, oh Christ, was it dynamite related? Either way, there's a, there's a scene where he runs away from an explosion that triggered way early. That probably could have killed him. So maybe that's the half truth. Um, this was like the South Stages were in California. Um, like Los Angeles area, Carpenter could have found cigarettes. So that's the lie. <laughs> yeah, I just like the idea that Carpenter smokes so much. <laughs> like, there's actually scenes in Halloween where he's like, "Yeah, there's like if you pay attention, there's smoke coming off from the left of the scenes. <laughs> that's cause where I was smoking." I'm like, "Jesus, man!" Like, no the the commentary track, which I know you've heard with him and Kurt Russell, 
on the thing. It's just, it's, it's, it's intermittent. Like if it's not Kurt Russell laughing at Carpenter, it's Carpenter inhaling. <laughs> that's, that's the like, track. Good God, man. Like stop smoking for just a second. So I, I thought, uh, the fact that they would cost a, a production a day because he couldn't smoke it, would be a good, uh, that's not out uh, of the realm of it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So this next one here is Taco Bell. And you're going to make a run for the border, if you will. Okay. So which one of these uh, is an untrue? Which one of these is a lie? I don't know why I started with untrue. <laughs> untrue. Alrighty. So at one time, the Mexican pizza included green onions. Uh, the second one is, is that Pepsi acquired Taco Bell after failing to start it, their own restaurant chain, which was called Taco Bell. I'm sorry, Taco Bell. I just <laughs> Jesus. I mean, Taco. I can see why. Sorry, it was called Taco What? <laughs> they tried to start their own supply chain called Taco Kid. Okay. Uh, and then the last one here is is that despite the Dorito Taco and the Frito Burrito, the Funyun Chalupa never made it past test markets. Which one of those is a lie? Oh, they never did a Funyun Chalupa. That's correct. Yeah, I just I like the idea that there was a a Funyun Chalupa and the fact that like Pepsi tried to start their own chain of like taco restaurants, but they called it Taco Kid. Yeah, which it would have been better had I not screwed it up. But yeah, it is what it is. Um, okay, actually, where, where was it? Um, they they actually had um, they had well, they Taco Bell. They had a burger. Do you like this was something that happened well before they were national. It's like uh, the Big Bell Beefer or something yeah, let me, like that. Let me see yeah, what was it called? Uh, it was the Taco. It was the Bell Beefer. <laughs> like it's like basically a sloppy Joe. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie. I would try that versus whatever the hell we were talking about earlier. That's happening over. <laughs> oh, I'm recreating right that bad boy. Once I figure out the recipe, <laughs> the boy. American Dream. I think. Yeah. You know, we. You know what? Once the pandemic's over and we're all vaccinated, you and I. <laughs> You need to come over to my house and we need to have like a chef challenge where I, I will have an independent, like um, we'll have, well, we'll have an independent source, AKA my wife buy ingredients. We'll have a cook off um, and we'll see, we'll see if we can make a bell beefer. How about that? I think that would be amazing. We'll have, we'll have a, a master chef to see if we can make that happen. I'm good with that. That'd be that sounds like fun. We got to keep drinking the entire time. That's where the magic happens. So. <laughs> All right. This next one here is a show that I've actually never seen an episode of, but I know you're a fan of Archer. Okay. Yes. Okay. So which one of these is the lie? Uh, the first one here is, is that pre COVID, the writers were actually planning a plot line about vaccines being used to microchip people, but they abandoned the idea because it seemed too silly. Is it that FX objected to an episode in which Archer uh, used a baby to disarm an assassin? <laughs> okay. Or was it that the show's original title was Duchess? Oh, shit. Which one of those is a lie? Uh, Duchess is his nickname because that's what his mother uh, named the dog. And I, th- I just, it, it's a whole thing that runs through the show. So I think that's true. Um, Oh, him disarming like we said, assassin with a baby. That 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 yeah. feels that tracks that he would throw a baby at an assassin. Uh, maybe not now because Archer has his own child. 
Uh, I'm going to say the microchipping of the vaccines. I think that's going to be the lie. Yeah, that is the lie. Just because I like the idea that it would be too silly that anyone would believe that. Well, I'll, right, I'll, I'll, I'll throw two things there. at you because we're almost at three hours, which is our typical show. It's it, This is the bell beefer of, of podcasts. I'm just going to throw that no out No one's still listening. <laughs> we'll just say it. No one's still listening. Like they walked away from their, <laughs> like there's like, Christ, I, I could, I could, I could do other things. No, uh, one, um, there, the, uh, there was there. So since H John Benjamin voices Archer and Bob from Bob's burgers, there's an episode of Archer where, um, he wakes up like with his memory wiped, but he is now a short order cook at a restaurant and it's basically Bob's burgers. And they brought like a lot of the voice cast in from Bob's burgers, but it's animated Archer style. And so he doesn't remember who he is. He has a mustache, but he's like, he likes cooking and like these Russian spies that come in and try to fight him. It's really entertaining. So I just figured you'd appreciate that. So I thought that was uh, entertaining. Also the uh, spy agency. They're a part of originally was called ISIS. Uh, that Ooh. changed after a couple seasons for reasons. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I, I I don't work there anymore. So screw it. I remember when I worked at Verizon, they had a uh, um, app that they wanted us to push that was called ISIS, and then like <laughs> six months later, <laughs> like we got a thing that was like, "Stop pushing this app. Stop um, recruiting people to ISIS, please." Yeah. <laughs> It was like a, 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 you know, one of those, uh, you know, like an Apple Pay style yeah. uh, app. Uh, but I just, I thought it was so, I, I thought it was hilarious that uh, they had named their company uh, after a terrorist. Group. This is, I think all it's right. like season four. You end up seeing like all the signage in the background being rolled out and thrown to the like the dumpster, um, the the ISIS stuff. I just remember up to that point. Um, there was like merchandise of like uh, Archer that had like the the spy agency listed with like, ISIS because like their their um like their rival was called um what was it uh, Odin so like there was this whole thing between ISIS and Odin that was like a plot line right and it's like yeah they're like we this isn't something we're gonna do anymore so this they backed off the ISIS thing rightfully so yeah alrighty we got two left here. So the next one here is uh, your man crush, Franco Nero. Yes. Okay. So Franco Nero, which of these is the the uh, lie uh, about him? Is it that a he has the same birthday as Papa John? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> is it that he gave away Natasha Natasha Richardson at her wedding to Liam Neeson, or is it that? he reprised his Django character for a series of clone ads in Japan. Which one is the lie? Oh man. All of this sounds plausible. Um, what was the first one again? That he is the same birthday as Papa John's founder. Uh, John, John, John (laughs) racist Papa John's. Uh, Oh, that doesn't feel true. <laughs> I'm going to say that one. Uh, that one's the real one. Oh, uh, he did okay. not repri- reprise his uh, Django character in a series of Japanese uh, cologne commercials. That, that feels so. like he's only reprised that character three, like two other times other than the first <laughs> film. He did a sequel in the 80s. And then, well, it's like he didn't reprise it. He uh, did a name check and um, Django Unchained. I okay. know that. 
because he goes into I, to, uh, Jamie Foxx's character and is like, what's your name? He's like, Django. And then Fox is like, the D is silent. And then Franco Nero is like, oh, okay. And he's like, that's fine. Like, that's what happens, you know? So I don't know if you've ever seen the photos of Mark Hamill from like late 70s, early 80s. Like, some something that he was promoting in Japan that like he thought no one in America would ever see, but it's looking like a gold suit. I don't know if you've ever seen these photos. He's even no. posted it where he's like, I never thought these would ever make it out into anywhere other than like the eighties slash, um, the area that they were, uh, being used for. Like, I always think it's funny that like actors will do, things where they're like no one's ever going to see these over in like the states yeah, or well, like, whatever like nick cage did a series of pachinko uh machine ads in japan like it's crazy uh but like can i also ask that when you do your your four square quadrant images can we get the american dream and mark campbell in a gold suit can that be on the squares please <laughs> i will fit him in i will absolutely do it <laughs> wonderful all right, so we're on the last one, people. The, the <laughs> nightmare is almost over. Um, okay. <laughs> the last one here is about one of your favorite films, The Miami Connection. Yes. All righty, so which one of these is the lie? Is it that the original titles were possibly going to be Against the Ninja and Escape from Miami? Was it that Wu Sang Park, who directed the film, also plays the kindly restaurant owner? Or is it that Y.K. Kim, who plays Mark and was co-writer of the film, regrets not being shirtless more in the film? Oh, man. <laughs> um, I'm going to say two. Uh, I, I don't feel good about it because all this makes sense to me. I'm going to say the second one. <laughs> <laughs> the the lie is that YK Kim regrets not being shirtless more in the movie. That's but, bullshit. Uh, I feel like he. Yeah, I feel like he. <laughs> oh man! All right. It feels real. I'll it, say that it does feel real. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, all right. That's your uh, game this evening <laughs> of two truths and a lie. Yeah. As uh, I stumbled through it, and we're now at the end. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah that's gonna do it for us this week um so uh yeah so what's going to happen uh next week um is, we're going to be getting to our year of the sequel a little early uh we're going to be looking at superman 2 the richard donner cut um there's a couple reasons for this one it is a sequel but it's also a um disputed sequel we'll get into more why uh because um, later, later this month, the Zack Snyder justice league, um, 17 hour, I don't know, whatever is masturbatory party, whatever it is. We're going to watch that the next week and talk about it. So Steve, when he mentioned to me, like we should watch the Donner cut of Superman two, that makes sense because it is uh, somebody later saying, Hey, I had a vision. Let's see what happens. And it got completed ish. We'll get more into that later. We're doing that next week. Snyder cut ne the week after that. And then we got some other stuff coming. Uh, we're a little bit comics heavy the next couple of weeks. Hope you guys will bear with us and hope you guys will watch uh, Superman to the Donner cut and also uh, slog through the four hours of justice league. I, who knows? Who knows at this point? Who knows? It might be great. I don't know, but who knows? Yeah, I would love to be proven wrong. Like, I hope that it's amazing. But I, I, 
everything else that I've seen has told me that it's probably not going to be. Yeah, so that's going to do it for us this week. Hope you guys enjoyed our conversation about WandaVision. Uh, yeah, that that I don't know. I got nothing else. Um, yeah, I, I, I ain't no laws if you're drinking claws. That's where I'm at now. And also, um, uh, eat eat uh, some Taco Bell uh, uh, Bell beefers and um, believe in the American dream of the nightmare sandwich that it is. And if you have a theory about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, just keep it to yourself and enjoy the show. Thank you.